kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Monday night. It's a little after six, and I should probably mend that to it's a little after six daylight savings time. <laughs> and uh, welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Uh, with me tonight is the bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie K. How are you, Miss Jeannie? <laughs> Hi. Doing good. Okay. Absolutely. Just lovely. Fuzzy peachy. <laughs> just, just happy thoughts and little clouds, rainbows, and ponies, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and the best... Rainbow shooting out of their ass, leprechauns handing out free gold, all that good stuff. Now, if you could find some of those leprechauns with free gold, you know, just saying you could send them my way. That wouldn't hurt my feelings too much. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed dead, dead silence after that because nobody's found a leprechaun with a free pot of gold. Nope. And, and the very best producer money can't buy, which is good because it's been over a year and I'm still not paying him very. How are you this evening, Very? Just hating Mixler on Skype, but that's normal. Well, yeah, I, I am not in love with this. I don't think this platform um, works well for this show put it that way if the most techie person i know you is having problems then um it might be time to look for other options well i mean when you have software that suddenly decides that you don't have any audio inputs yeah <laughs> it's, it's an issue oh i know i mean it's such an issue they even posted about it so yeah, yeah. um so in about seven minutes or so we're going to do the Casa update first but uh i just thought we can talk about Paris and get that the hell out of the way. Yeah. Thoughts? Anybody? Paris? It's, Obviously, it's it, happening all over. It's not just in Paris. My heart absolutely bleeds for those people over there. I feel horrible. Of course, I feel horrible whenever there are senseless deaths all over the place. Um, just because people are intolerant of each other, and that's my opinion of what it is. It's just people being intolerant of each other. We see that every day here in this country. Mm -hmm. um, but it's happening everywhere, and they're 
only focusing on the one thing. Okay. Um, I feel bad for the people of Paris. I am sick of places like Facebook telling me, oh, change your profile picture. Show solidarity. You know what? What about the people in Beirut? What about the people in Japan? What about that train crash? Um, I don't remember getting the option to change my profile picture for any of those people or anybody who's died a horrific death. How about Facebook gives me the option to change my profile picture to a person who gets shot to death by a police officer on occasion. That might be fun. Or, you know, maybe I can change my profile picture to a dog that gets killed in an officer involved shooting. Every time that happens, that might be fun. Um, I'm not trying to minimize. Oh, there was a, there was a state trooper in Colorado that was run down. Um, not intentionally, but he was run down and killed. You know, I mean, it's just people dying all over. Mm-hmm. It goes on all the time. And the cost of human suffering is immeasurable. I don't like thinking about it and I don't like making light of the tragedy. I don't like, I don't like the idea that just changing the colors in my profile picture is supposed to show I've done something. I haven't done anything. Um, and if this is because we cannot tolerate each other and I haven't tried to educate an intolerant person or talk to someone about this then I've done nothing to make anything better. And a picture isn't going to change that. Very? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't change my profile picture because, yeah, it's pointless. Exactly. Um, uh, you can sympathize, but um, I did that myself. It's, you know... Uh, but, yeah, it's the, the media is concentrating fully on Paris, ignoring Beirut, Kenya, the train Today. crashes... Uh, all the other mass death events that have happened at the same time and just oh look all this Paris thing oh it's terrible and I think it's because uh, everybody's seen Paris or people have been to Paris or people have friends who have been to Paris and they have these romantic ideas because they have beautiful art and lots of culture but places that have beautiful art and lots of culture don't it doesn't mean that shit doesn't happen to them. Shit happens well, to mean, them just like shit happens to us, I, just I like said, shit happens said, to people um, all around the world. Go ahead. I said before the, the show the best the best um, rant about about the Paris thing was John Oliver. Oh, he was good. Who, yeah, yeah, he made light of it, but in a any very structured way. So if if you wanna see some alternative journalism coverage of this um, you could go to RT International and yeah. look for their coverage directly after the attacks because that'll be all over YouTube. And well, I noticed some some of the European um, news channels were having to tell off uh, news channels in other countries for jumping to conclusions and the like. Well, I believe you know, CNN got got on the nerves of one of the <laughs> European reporters, and they're like. You know, you're talking bollocks. <laughs> you know, it's like, but obviously, more politely than that. Well, because they, they were going, oh, this, uh, these in Islamic the United countries States, telling someone that they're talking bollocks is very kind. Yeah, that actually is really kind. But um, 
I mean, this this is coming from the uh, same. Is this coming from the same news organization that called Jeremy Hunt Jeremy Cunt? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Although that's not the insult there, it would be here. Still an insult, just not as bad. Calling him a fanny probably would have been worse. Well, there's, there's, yeah, we're very creative with swearing over here. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, do we want to try and get Julie for the CASA update? Yep. Okay. Is Julie coming on this week to, to save time? No, she's coming on because Alex is in the air right now, and they're not going to let him do a CASA update from the air. Airlines are funny like that. Well, he could, but he'd have to pay for the onboard phone, which costs a yeah. fortune. Yeah. Good evening, Julie. Oh. Hello, how are you guys? Hi, Julie, how are you? Um, a good evening, and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 11-16-2015. Hi, Julie. What's been going on this week? Oh, my gosh. You know, this is supposed to be our quiet time. This is when <laughs> we all recharge our batteries and and kind of rest up from a really horrible legislative season and get ready to go into the next one. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we've got a few calls to action and local alerts that I'm going to get out of the way real quick. Um We've got two calls to action for Pennsylvania. The tax that just will never seem to go away. It keeps getting <laughs> resurrected like somebody, something out of the zombie apocalypse. And we've got another call to action on the ban on e-cigarette use wherever smoking is um, prohibited. So those two calls to action are out. Um, Pennsylvania folks, if you haven't seen it, get busy. Um, we'll have links in the blog description. Um, local alerts. Oh, my goodness, it's been busy. Um, Laredo, Texas. Um, if you're listening to this and you're in Laredo, you shouldn't be listening to this. You should be dealing with your city council because they've got an indoor vaping ban that they're discussing tonight. Um, Inglewood, Colorado. Yeah, you shouldn't be listening to this either. You're supposed to be out there um, (laughs) at your city council trying to explain to them why we're not smoking. Um, Kansas City, Missouri, they've got an indoor vaping ban um, discussion scheduled for Wednesday, November 18th, and we do have a local alert out on that. We're mostly rebroadcasting um, the local alert issued by BRAVE, which is the Bi-State Regional Advocates for Vaping Education. Um, let's see, Cook County um, took the horrible step of one of their committees a basically pushing through a 20 cent per milliliter tax. Um, It still has to go before the full commission, we understand. So there's still an opportunity to get in there and and start explaining to your um, elected officials why this is counterproductive. Cook County is particularly problematic because Chicago is actually in Cook County. And Chicago, of course, there's just nothing out there that they don't love to tax. And they recently (laughs) passed a tax of 55 cent per milliliter. So, you know, if you're in Chicago, um, you're going to find, if you can find a shop that will carry the liquid after this, you know, 
these taxes go into play, um, you're going to be spending a fortune. And, you know, it's really terrible because from our standpoint, yeah, you can still get stuff online, but, you know, we want the brick and mortar shops. That's where the sense of community is created. People can go get information, you know, help making the switch. They're kind of like mini quit smoking clinics, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, we don't want to do anything that's going to disrupt the ability of businesses to do business. Um, but apparently Cook County just doesn't care. Um, <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. This is an interesting one. Um, and we do have a local alert out on this one. They're looking to limit the sale of flavored smokeless tobacco products to specialty tobacco shops. And they're also going to be talking about um, Tobacco 21 and including e-cigarettes in the definition of tobacco. Um, so, you know, this is a pretty big threat. The last thing we want is e-cigarettes um, limited in flavors. And we also don't want a situation where you have to be 21 in order to have it. You know, as far as we can tell, you know, 18-year-olds are adults. They mm -hmm. can enter into contracts. They can vote. They can serve in the military. We're not talking about something um, that is incredibly dangerous here, Um you know, e-cigarettes are pretty darn low risk. Uh, so, you know, we're we're pretty opposed to raising the age for e-cigarette use to 21. Um, and we're going to be issuing a local alert for Boston, Massachusetts this week as well. Um, think about it's the same thing as basically that's going on in Cleveland. So we're going to see a lot of activity with our local jurisdictions in terms of this tobacco 21 nonsense because, you know, you just need to be 21 in order to make that decision. But you can also get married, I think, in some states, you know, yep. even before 18. Yep. You can have children. You know, there are mm -hmm. all sorts of things that you can do, but you're not allowed to have an e-cigarette, whatever. So <laughs> um, that's pretty – I think I hit – yes, I hit all the local alerts. Um, so – so a few big things this week. Um, first off, Kassat actually put out a newsletter. And um, that's something that we've been talking about for a long time, but it's just hard to find the time to do it. And we were kind of joking about, should we call it the quarterly newsletter if we get around to it? Or should we talk <laughs> about it as the mostly monthly newsletter? And the answer is we don't know how regular it's going to be, but we're really going to make an effort to try to get it out um, at least quarterly, but probably more often than that. And in our newsletter, we talked about a number of things that I'm not going to go through in the podcast. But if you didn't get our newsletter, that means that either you're not a CASA member or you've signed up for us and um, we're now in your spam folder. Or it is possible that you signed up as a CASA member, but you didn't opt in to receive emails. So, you know, if you didn't get the newsletter, reach out and let's see if we can figure out how to make sure that you get on the right list to get that. Um, I don't know that you guys announced it the last time, but we've got two new board members. Um which is pretty exciting. It's not something, I mean, Jan, how often do we add a new board member? I think, <laughs> it, I think the last two were in rapid succession, Alex and I, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very careful about, um, you know, who we, who we add because there's a, a team effort here and people need to be team players. Um, but we're really excited. We added Bruce Nye, who a lot of people will know who are active in the community. He did the attainable advocacy show, um, which is pretty 
awesome. And then Brian Carter, who is a psychologist, and he's worked with nicotine dependence issues. And he was actually on our board of advisors, and we worked with him, and and we're just thrilled to pieces when um, he agreed to join the board. And in fact, we sent Brian to the e-cigarette summit in London um, this past week. And so we'll be pretty excited to hear what he has to share about that. And I did want to talk just a little bit about the e-cigarette summit. Um, You know, Jan, you've been following all of this, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because there, there are a few different views on this. So the first one I'm going to share is Jim McManus, who's a director of public health for the county of, um, oh, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire? Yeah, that sounds right, in okay. England. <laughs> and um, there's going to be a link to this, but he, he wrote a, a really wonderful piece talking about how his, cha- how his views on e-cigarettes have changed over time and a lot of it was involving you know attending events like the the e-cigarette summit in london um then on the other end you get simon clark who is the director of the smokers lobby group forest who is just super intelligent um very passionate and you know he makes a whole lot of sense when he says yeah i'm not going (laughs) i'm not going because I don't feel that the consumers are adequately represented. I don't think there are any dual users there. And, um, you know, it's something that's kind of being a little co-opted by public health. And and I, I do have a whole lot of sympathy for that view. You know, it's as exciting as it is, and as much as I embrace public health coming around, that is just mm-hmm. so awesome, you know, I think that as consumers, we need to be very mindful that their mindset is a little bit different. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, you know, I, I want to be very careful and very general in saying this, but, you know, we wind up in situations where, okay, e-cigarettes, we're estimating them to be about 99% less harmful than smoking. When you look at it that way, I can see no scenario under which it makes sense to impose any kind of real restriction on these products other than good manufacturing practice standards, you know, adequate labeling so that, you know, consumers can get information, packaging rules so that they're tamper-resistant, child-resistant, all of that. You know, anything much more than that, I, I just really can't see where there's any benefit for consumers. On the other hand... If you're in public health, you start looking for ways to make this less attractive to non-smokers. Right. You know, and so you do things like limit the liquid strength to, you know, 20 milligrams per milliliter is the highest amount that you can sell as a consumer good. Mm -hmm. And they determined that because a majority, they determined that a majority of smokers would find this adequate. (laughs) Wow. They've never met me. Yeah. Well, yeah, we won't even talk about where I am. But, but you know, I guess my point is that, you know, I, I understand the call for caution. And um, as excited as I am to see the, the public health people come around, I think we still need to keep pulling back a little bit and looking at the big picture and saying, yeah, these are so low risk. You know, mm-hmm. anything that we do to try to make these less attractive to non-smokers, you know, and, and at some point, Every smoker was a never smoker. Yep. 
you know, so if people are going to experiment with nicotine, why in the world would we want to make the least risky alternatives um, unattractive to them? So anyway, it was an interesting thing. Um, And then I just wanted to briefly mention that um, Alex, the reason why Alex isn't doing the show tonight, he was at VCC um, Mm -hmm. in Tulsa, and he reports that it was a resounding success, and a whole lot of advocacy went on, and last week I was at the Houston Vape um, Showcase, and that too was a really good event with advocacy, and um, I think moving forward you're going to see Kassav very narrowly focused on events that are serious about the advocacy, not just advertising it, you know, the ones that advertise and actually deliver. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess the other thing, let's see, we've got our meeting with OIRA next month, December 15th, and that will be me and um, Carl Phillips and Brian Carter. And we're working diligently on that. And one of the things that we're going to be doing is printing out all of our testimonials and bringing them in boxes with us to leave them with the OIRA people. Um, You know, it's important for them to understand that real people's lives are are being um, impacted in, in a a very substantial manner. So this is again, a call out to all consumers. If you haven't done your testimonial yet, now is the perfect time to do it. Um, We've got, I've still got some more to approve tonight, but we are right at about 7,200 testimonials, which is um, really amazing. And and some of these testimonials, I, I don't know. I read them. And every once in a while, I just have to stand up and walk away from the computer because I'm just so overcome, um, you know, really some emotional stuff. So, um, well, it's, yeah. it has changed many people's lives for the better. Yeah. Oh, it, it really has. And, and, you know, for me, it's a constant reality check and a refocusing um, for me because I think that we we just sometimes lose sight of the the forest through the trees yeah yeah mm-hmm. anyway so did i do it in 15 minutes uh yeah <laughs> yeah you did i think you did it in about 13 so you oh, did you yeah. like two minutes to spare so, so this would I be get, she I show bragging rights uh, bragging i was rights. gonna you, you do you get bragging rights but uh this is also the point where we say if you are not a kasa member Please join us at kasa.org uh, and opt in to receive communications from Kasa so we yes. can let you know if there's an issue in your area and you can get our fabulous newsletter. Um, we are Kasa Media on Twitter, Google Plus, and Instagram. And um, the official Kasa page is over on Facebook. So come on over and give us a like. Um, Thank you for everything you do for us, Julie. Oh, it was a pleasure is... having you on. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, oh, oh, one last thing. We're now almost at, um, I believe, 115,000 members. Wow. Which is just pretty shocking, actually. Yeah. Yay. Excellent. Okay, super. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Julie. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Nice.
Well, it, it was it was uh, quick. So, does anybody uh, want to play the Muppets uh, theme song or no? <laughs> <laughs> it's just that that's only when uh, when Alex and I are on. Okay. Um. So I there's so much fun stuff that I don't even know where to start. The bad BIOS thing I read today that freaked me out. Did you <laughs> did you read that? I I was aware of that without the the latest well, story. I, I, I kind of was, but I didn't know that they thought they found what was doing it. Yeah. So, um, I guess, should should I go there first? I guess That's I can do that. Bad BIOS is, is, it's a pretty long one, but it's very interesting, especially if you're at all interested in, like, malware. Yeah, if, if you have and anything it, electronic, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really great. Um... It's a piece from Ars Technica. Meet Bad Bios, the mysterious Mac and PC malware that jumps air gaps. Like a super strain of bacteria, the rootkit plaguing Drag- Dragos Ryu is omnipotent. Three years ago, security consultant that I just butchered his name, uh, Dragos Ryu, was in his lab when he noticed something highly unusual. His MacBook Air... Which, you know, I, I am so sick of hearing that uh, Macs never have problems with this. You can lay that to rest now. <clears throat> I'm sorry. His MacBook Air, on which he had just installed a fresh copy of OS X, spontaneously updated the firmware that helped it boot. Stranger still, when Ryu tried to boot the machine off a CD-ROM, it refused. He also found the machine could delete data and undo configuration changes with no prompting. He didn't know it then, but that odd firmware update would become a high-stakes malware mystery that would consume most of his waking hours. In the following months, Ryu observed more phenomena that seemed straight out of a science fiction thriller. A computer running OB, Open o, Open BSD operating system also began to modify its settings and delete its data without explaining or prompting. His network transmitted data specific to the Internet's next-generation IPv6 networking protocol, even from computers that were supposed to have IPv6 completely disabled. Strangest of all was the ability ability of infected machines to transmit small amounts of network data with other infected machines, even when their power cords and Ethernet cables were plugged, unplugged and their Wi-Fi and Bluetooth cards were removed. Further investigations soon showed that the list of affected operating systems also included multiple variants of Windows and Linux. We were like, okay, we're totally owned, Ryu told ours. We have to erase all our systems and start from scratch, which we did. It was a very painful exercise. I've been suspicious of stuff around here ever since which it turns out he has a good reason to be. In the intervening years, Ryu said, the infections had persisted, almost like a strain of bacteria that's able to survive extreme antibiotic therapies. Within hours or weeks of wiping an infected computer clean, the odd behavior would return. The most visible sign of contamination is the machine's ability to boot off a CD, but others' inability, sorry, to boot off a CD. But other more subtle behaviors can be observed when using tools such as Process Monitor, which is designed for troubleshooting and forensic investigations. Another intriguing characteristic, in addition to jumping air gaps designed to isolate infected sensitive machines from all other networked computers, the malware seems to have self-healing capabilities. 
We had an air-gapped computer that just had its firmware BIOS refreshed, a fresh disk drive installed, and zero data on it installed from a Windows system CD, Ryu said. At one point, we were editing some of the components, and our registry editor got disabled. It was like, wait a minute, how can that happen? How can the machine react and attack software that we're using to attack it? This is an air gap machine, and all of a sudden, the search function in the registry editor, editor stopped working when we were using it to search for their keys. Over the past two weeks, Rio has taken to Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus to document his investigative odyssey and share a theory that has captured the attention of some of the world's foremost security experts. The malware, Ryu believes, is transported through USB drives to infect the lowest levels of computer hardware. With the ability to target a computer's basic input-output system, BIOS, unified UEFI and other possible firmware standards, the malware can attack a wide variety of platforms, escape common forms of detection, and survive most attempts to eradicate it. But the story gets stranger still. In other posts, Ryu points out another theory that sounds like something from the screenplay of a post-apocalyptic movie. Bad BIOS, as Ryu dubbed the malware, has the ability to use high-frequency transmissions passed between computer speakers and microphones to bridge air gaps. Bigfoot in the age of advanced persistent threat. At times, as I've reported this story, its outline has struck me as the stuff of urban legend, the advanced persistent threat equivalent of a Bigfoot sighting. Indeed, Ryu has conceded that while several fellow security experts have assisted his investigation, none has peer-reviewed his process or the tentative findings that he's beginning to draw. Also unexplained is why Ryu would be on the receiving end of such an advanced and exotic attack, as a security professional, the organizer of the internationally renowned CanSec West and PACSEC conferences, and the founder of the Pont Own Hacking Competition, is no doubt an attractive target to state sponsored spies and financially motivated hackers. But he's more of a attractive target but he's no more of a attractive target than hundreds or thousands of his peers who so far have not reported the kind of odd phenomena that has afflicted reuse computers and networks. In contrast to the skepticism that's common in the security and hacking cultures, reuse peers have mostly responded with deep-seated concern and even fascination to his dispatches about bad BIOS. Everybody in security needs to follow at Dragon, um, at Dragon SR and watch his analysis of bad BIOS. Alex Stamos, one of the more trusted and sober security researchers, wrote in a tweet last week. Jeff Moss, the founder of DEF CON and Black Hat Security Conferences, who in 2009 began advising the DHS security Janet Napolitano on matters of computer security, retweeted the statement and added, no joke, it's really serious. Plenty of others agree. Dragos is definitely one of the good reliable guys, and I've never seen and I've never ever remotely thought him dishonest. Security researcher Arigo Trulis told ours <laughs> nothing of what he describes is science fiction taken individually, but we have not seen it in the wild ever. So, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Um, for most of the three years that Ryu has been wrestling with bad bios, its infection mechanism remained a mystery. A month or two ago, after buying a new computer, he noticed that it was almost immediately infected as soon as he plugged one of his USB drives into it. He theorized infected computers have the ability to contaminate USB drives and vice versa. 
The suspicion right now is there is some kind of buffer overflow in the way BIOS is reading the drive itself, and they're reprogramming the flash controller to overflow BIOS and then adding a section to the BIOS table, he explained. He still doesn't know if a USB stick was the initial infection trigger for his MacBook Air three years ago, or if the USB devices were infected only after they came into contact with his compromised machines, which he said now number between one and two dozen. He said he's been able to identify a number of USB sticks that infect any computer they're plugged into. At next month's PacSec conference, Ryu says he plans to get access to more expensive USB analysis hardware that he hopes will provide new clues behind the infection mechanism. He suspects that bad BIOS is only the initial module of a multi-stage payload that has the ability to infect Windows, Macs, OS X, BSD, and the Linux operating systems. It's going out over the network to get something, or it's going out to the USB key that it was infected from, he theorized. That's also the conjecture of why it's not booting CDs. It's trying to keep its claws, as it were, on the machine. It doesn't want you to boot another OS it might not have the code for. To put it another way, he said, bad BIOS is the tip of the warhead, as it were. Things keep getting fixed. Ryu said he arrived at the theory about bad BIOS' high-frequency networking capability after observing encrypted data packets sent to and from an infected laptop that had no obvious network connection with, but was in close proximity to another bad BIOS-infected computer. The packets were transmitted even when the laptop had its Wi-Fi and Bluetooth cards removed. Ryu also disconnected the machine's power cord so it ran only on battery to rule out the possibility that it was receiving signals over the electrical connection. Even then, forensic tools showed the packets continue to flow over the air-gapped machine. Then when Ryu removed the initial speaker and microphone connected to the air-gapped machine, the packets suddenly stopped. With the speakers and mic attacked, Ryu said, the isolated computer seemed to be using the high-frequency connection to maintain the integrity of bad BIOS infection as he worked to dismantle the software components the malware relied on. The air-gapped machine is acting like it's connected to the Internet, he said. Most of the problems we're having having is we were slightly disabling bits of the components of the system. It would not let us disable some things. Things kept getting fixed automatically as soon as we tried to break them. It was weird. It's too early to say with confidence what Ryu has been observing is a USB transmitted rootkit that can borrow into a computer's lowest level and use it as a jumping off point to infect a variety of operating systems with malware that can't be detected. It's even harder to know for sure that infected systems are using high-frequency sounds to communicate with isolated machines. But after two weeks of online discussion, no one's been able to rule out these troubling scenarios either. It looks like the the state-of-the-art intrusion stuff is a lot more advanced than we assumed it was, Ryu concluded in an interview. The takeaway from this is a lot of our forensic procedures are weak when faced with challenges like this. A lot of companies have to take a lot more care when they use forensic data if they're faced with sophisticated attackers. I skipped like three pages of that, by the way. <laughs> it's a very long read. Yeah. Tech stuff always is. Well, I mean, that tech stuff is the interesting stuff. I mean, that's kind of why I read it. But yeah, I, I was, I, I've been aware of uh, this since it first got reported three years ago. Um, and yeah, it's not good. No, no, bad bios is, is pretty fucking terrible. Um... Yeah. The thing is, there's not a lot anyone can do about it until some of these security experts come up with a solution. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the bad BIOS thing is just terrifying because air gapping. 
And (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I knew, I knew the whole, um, inaudible frequencies thing was going to be really big when advertisers started using it. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember reading about that like five or six years ago that these online um, advertisers were using that. I didn't really know why, but I mean, there was a story that broke recently that talked about how they're actually using that um, ultrasonic frequencies and stuff. Um, and they're linking your computer. So um, to your tablet, your phone. So everything that you might try to separate and keep a- away from other stuff is getting linked that way. And I thought that might be interesting to read. Beware of ads that use an audible sound to link your phone, TV, tablet, and PC. Privacy advocates are warning the federal, federal authorities of a new threat that uses inaudible high frequency sounds to surreptitiously track a person's online behavior across a range of devices, including phones, TVs, tablets, and computers. The ultrasonic pitches are embedded into TV commercials or are played when a user encounters an ad displayed in a computer browser. While the sound can't be heard by the human ear, nearby tablets and smartphones can detect it. When they do, browser cookies can now pair a single user to multiple devices and keep track of what TV commercials the person sees, how long a person watches ads, and whether the person acts on the ads by doing a web search or buying a product. Cross-device tracking raises important privacy concerns. The Center for Democratic and Technology wrote in a recently filed comment to the FTC. Um, The FTC has scheduled a workshop on Monday to discuss the technology. Often people use as many as five connected devices throughout a given day, a phone, computer, tablet, wearable health device, and an RFID-enabled access fob. Until now, there hasn't been any easy way to attract activity on one and tie it to another. As a person goes about his or her business, their activity on each device generates different data streams about their preferences and behavior that are sliced or siloed in these devices and services that mediate them. Cross-device tracking allows marketers to combine these streams by linking them to the same individual, enhancing the granality of what they know about that person. The officials said that the companies with the names, including Silverpush, Drawbridge, and Flurry, are working on ways to pair a user to a specific device. Adobe is developing a similar technology. Without a doubt, the most concerning use of the company's CDT method is mentioned in San Francisco-based Silverpush. CDT officials wrote, Cross-device tracking can also be performed through the use of ultrasonic and audible sound beacons, compared to probabilistic tracking through browser fingerprinting, the use of audio beacons is a more accountable way to track users across devices. The industry leader of cross-device tracking using audio beacons is Silver Push. When a user encounters a Silver Push advertiser on the web, the advertiser drops a cookie on the computer while also playing an ultrasonic audio through the use of the speakers on the computer device. The inaudible code is recognized and received on the other smart device by the software development kit installed on it. Silver Push also embeds audio beacon signals into TV commercials, which are picked up silently by an app installed on a device to unknown to the user. The audio beacon enables companies like Silver Push to know which ads the user saw, how long the user watched the ad before changing the channel, what kind of smart devices they use, 
along with other information that adds to the profile of each user that is linked across devices. The user is unaware of the audio beacon, but if a smart device has an app on it that uses the Silver Push software development kit, the software on the app will be listening for the audio beacon, and once the beacon is detected, devices are immediately recognized as being used by the same individual. Silver Push states the company is not listening in the background to all the noise occurring in proximity to the device. The only factor that hinders the receipt of an audio beacon by a device is distance, and there is no way for the user to opt out of this form of cross-device tracking. Silver Push's company policy is not to divulge the names of the apps the technology is embedded in, meaning users have no knowledge of which apps are using the technology and know it opt out. As of April 2015, Silver Push's software is used by 67 apps, and the company monitors 18 million smartphones. Silver Push's ultrasonic cross-device tracking was publicly reported as long ago as July 2014. More recently, the company received a new round of publicity when it obtained $1.25 million in venture capital. The CDT letter appears to be the first time the privacy-invading potential of the company's product has been discussed in detail. Silver Push officials didn't respond to emails seeking comments for this article. The CDT went on to cite articles reporting that cross-device tracking has been put to use by more than a dozen marketing companies. The technology, which is typically not disclosed and can't be opted out of, makes it possible for marketers to assemble a shockingly detailed snapshot of the person being tracked. For example, a company could see that a user searched for sexually transmitted disease symptoms on their personal computer, looked up directions to a Planned Parenthood on their phone, visits a pharmacy, then returns to their apartment a later, the letter stated. While previously, the various components of this journey would be scattered among several services, cross-device tracking allows companies to infer that the user received treatment for an STD. The combination of information across devices only creates a serious privacy concern, but it also allows companies to make incorrect and possibly harmful assumptions about individuals. Use of ultrasonic sounds to track users has some resemblance to bad BIOS, a piece of malware that security researchers said use inaudible sounds to bridge air-gapped computers. No one has proven bad BIOS exists, but the use of high-frequency sounds to track users underscores the validity of the concept. Now that Silver Push and others are using the technology, it's probably inevitable that it will remain in use in some form. But right now, there are no easy ways for the average person to know if they're being tracked by it and to opt out of it if they object. Federal officials should strongly consider changing that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all this develops. Because uh, I think so too. The UK has laws about data transmission, which may come into play on that. Uh, so does most of Europe, I think. I no, don't know how it is over your way. But here, you can't just go around transmitting data. Uh, well, I mean... It's not allowed. <laughs> well, Again with somebody... the freaking microphone. I swear to God. You were you were screaming there, weren't you? Go ahead, get it out. Why is it in this country that people get sidetracked and focused on the stupidest fucking shit and the stuff that they need to know? They're like, huh? <laughs> uh, what's that? That's you may be this way too, Jan. This is your fault that I am this way. You make me this way. <laughs> because... A year ago, I would have been one of the people going, how was that? It's kind of important stuff, you know? 
It is. And, and people have no idea. They really don't. Nope. Well, I mean, it, it comes to the... I guess it comes down to what can you do about it. Yeah, I mean... Stories like this will eventually show up on mainstream media. But they won't be detailed. There'll be a little, a little 10, 15 minute segment at most. People will see it. And, but modern, the way modern people absorb information, they'll have forgotten about it a couple of hours later. Because a new, oh, shiny story will have come along and well, you know, filled up their head. Um, here, I, I saw something really interesting. Does anybody else watch the TED Talks? Uh, no. Occasionally, yes. Okay. Every Tuesday there's a new one. Um, last night one really caught my attention. And it was called, What Will a Future Without Secret Look Like? And what I think people don't realize about the human brain. Okay, this is pretty good. I stuck the link in the chat so you can pick it up if you're at all interested. They did research with people and they did research specifically with university students and they told a bunch of them, okay, well, the only people who will see results to this will be your peers. Now answer honestly, did you ever cheat on an exam? Well, I told the same group of people later on, they asked them pretty much the same question. And they said that the results would be shared with, you know, staff as well as their peers. And all it took for these people to answer differently was that they made them wait 15 seconds before they could start taking this survey. And then it was like they just forgot about that warning. Yeah. So I don't know what that says about the human mind or the fact that I'm telling the same stories week after week over and over and over and over again. But the reason I am is because stuff you need to know, and the reason I am is because your mind forgets. Well, yeah, I mean, it's um, since since we entered the digital age, yeah, people's ability to concentrate has altered. Um, first time I went to university, uh, mm -hmm. you used to get lectures, and they used to be broken up into twenty-minute sections. Right couple of decades later, second time I went to university, they changed that to 15 minute blocks because people's concentration isn't as long as it used to be <laughs> It's not but I mean if it takes 15 seconds for you to forget that your privacy is going to be potentially invaded, we have a problem Yeah I mean we have, we have a problem, it's a big problem <laughs> and you know, it's not going to be fixed by giving us ADD drugs No it's just but, how yeah, it is. it's just the the human the human brain is uh, has 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 now been programmed for the digital age, as it were. Yeah. Well, Unfortunately, it's not really designed for the digital age. Uh, well, it's not designed so, for the so digital it loses age. Things. Yeah. Neither is our technology yet. I mean, our technology kind of is, but not really. Oh, and to the person in the chat that says every computer needs a tinfoil hat, Carnegie Mellon did a study that they thought was quite funny where they put tinfoil hats on people and said, well, let's, let's measure how much this protects them from signals that you get from TV commercials. Putting a tinfoil hat on a person actually increased the amount of 
transmissions that could make it through the brain, which I thought was fucking hilarious. I'm yeah, because like, you, oh, you're basically on. putting an aerial on your head. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't protect anybody from anything. It's just funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since that was cheerful, um, let's see. We talked about air gapping. I could tell you some horrible stingray stuff. And the sad part about stingrays is they're, you know, actually older technology. So there's probably newer stuff working. Um, yeah. In its place. But um, let's jump back kind of to France a little bit in a way. And then we'll pick up something else. As predicted, encryption haters are already blaming Snowden for the Paris attacks. It was less than two months ago that we noted, having lost the immediate battle for U.S. legislation to backdoor encryption, those in the intelligence community knew they just needed to bide their time until the next big terrorist attack. Here was the quote from Robert Litt, the top lawyer for the Office of the Director of National Intelligence from September. Although the legislative... By the way. Huh? That's an oxymoron. <laughs> well, yes, it is. But uh, okay. Well, I meant to put scare quotes around it, but I forgot to. Again, no one can see me anyway. I don't have a. I don't have an ironic enough tone of voice to read that stuff, so that people will know. But uh, I'll try. <clears throat> For the Office of Director of National Quote Unquote Intelligence from September. Although the legislative environment is very hostile today, the intelligence community, well, okay, the quote-unquote intelligence community's top lawyer, Robert S. Litt, said to colleagues in an August email, which was obtained by the New York Post, it could turn in the event of a terrorist attack or criminal event where strong encryption can be shown to have hindered law enforcement. As you already know, on Friday, there was a tragic and horrific terrorist attack in France that killed over 100 people. And... Before I go on, I just want to say when the ex-checker of a country that was not involved in the terrorist attack tells people, oh, hey, by the way, the terrorists are on PlayStation 4 planning to attack Paris, and you work in Paris, and you flat out fucking ignore them, you're a jackass. Sorry, I just thought I would get that out. <clears throat> And it took basically no time at all for the defenders of the surveillance state to start blaming Snowden and encryption. It started with the usual talking heads, such as former George W. Bush press, press secretary and current Fox commenter Dana Perino, who was seriously seemed to blame Snowden for the attacks based on question mark. And then there was her Fox News colleague, Greg Gutfeld, speculating that the attacks may have been planned in secret thanks to whistleblowers. If the attack was aided through whistleblowers leaking, what the NSA cannot penetrate, what, will that be part of the movie, Greg Gutfeld, at Greg Gutfeld on Twitter? Robert Litt must have been smiling, and then he was helped along even further by the stenographers at the New York Times, who reported over the weekend that the attackers used encryption technology based entirely on, anon on anonymous European officials. They were on PlayStation 4's open air network talking to one another other intelligence officials knew about it and they told people in paris but they ignored it um but i digress <clears throat> the attackers are believed to have communicated using encryption technology according to european officials who had been briefed on the investigation but were not authorized to speak publicly 
was not clear whether the encryption was part of the widely used communication tools like WhatsApp, which authorities have a hard time monitoring, or something more elaborate like PlayStation 4. Intelligence officials have been pressing for more leeway to counter the growing use of encryption. Perhaps the New York Times, when they took down their horrible article, realized that publishing such rampant speculation without confirmation meant that they were getting played like fiddles by the intelligence community, in scare quotes, in their game to undermine encryption. Either way, the original article is still available for now at the Internet Archive. And I will grab that in case anybody's interested in the horrible speculation <sighs> spewed by government officials that the New York Times reports as fact. Uh, no matter what, the argument is pure bullshit. Of course they probably used encryption because lots of people use encryption to communicate and there's no way in hell that they suddenly decide to use encryption, quote unquote, because Snowden... As Glenn Greenwald has helpfully chronicled, the press has noted that terrorists have been known to use encryption to avoid having their communication spied upon since before 9-11. Here's just one example in an article stuffed with many more. Um, the date on this USA Today article is February 5th, 2001, with a lovely picture of Osama bin Laden, and it was written by a man named Jack Kelly. And the title of the article is Terror Groups Hide Behind Web Encryption. Uncra uncrackable encryption is allowing terrorists, Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, and others to communicate about their criminal intentions without fear of outside intrusion. FBI Director Louis Freya said last March during a closed-door testimony on terrorism before a Senate panel. They're thwarting the efforts of law enforcement to detect, prevent, and investigate illegal activities. Um, yeah, it, it was also called a terrorist tool in that lovely article. <clears throat> the idea that it was suddenly because of Snowden's revelations that the attackers decided to communicate by encryption defies all common sense. And anyone making that suggestion seems to be publicly displaying near total ignorance on the history, most likely for political gain. Meanwhile, the speculation over how the attackers communicated has led some to claim, without any evidence to support it, uh, well, yeah, that they may have been communicating using the PlayStation 4. I'm pretty damn sure the PS4 does not include end-to-end -end encryption. So if that does turn out to be true, it would seem to undermine earlier claims of encryption being the problem. The real point, though, if you want to communicate secretly, there is always some way to do it. To blame leaks from just a couple of years ago on the fact that people are planning to commit mass murder try to communicate secretly is flat out ridiculous and nothing more than fear-mongering to score political points. Yeah, damn those encrypted connections. But we need to ban <laughs> pigeons, uh, semaphore towers, uh, smoke signals. Smoke signals. <laughs> <laughs> Alpine exactly. horns. You know, all, all these other really, really devastating ways to communicate. Face-to-face? -face. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't have more than one person in a room. Secret. Yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're scapegoating. Well, they always do. As they always mm -hmm. do, yeah. Any way they can turn the narrative to fit the biased way they want things to go with legislation and the government is like... It's like a present for them. 
And of course, they're going to use it. They always use it. They'll always use it. Yeah, I mean, you'll be un- you you probably know this, but you'll be unsurprised to learn that the the Snoopers charger we talked about last week, um, right. it's being considered they might want to rush that forward due to the the latest attack. <sighs> oh, eh? Who'd have thought they want to rush through draconian legislation? Have you ever noticed misery something? Though? An excuse. Whenever they want to rush forward draconian legislation, there's always, like, some weird shit that happens. Yeah. Like, right before, and all of a sudden, no, it's the trigger for it. But it's easy. Was... There's so much shit goes on in the world. It's quite easy to... Oh, well, well, I'm There's sure. always really going to be easy. something. <laughs> it's easy to pick something, but then yeah. they build a narrative around it that doesn't necessarily fit the facts. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I just... I find that most... Journalism today is irresponsible and just fucking terrible. Um, speaking of things that are just fucking terrible, anybody in the chat live in Massachusetts? Because if you do, you you might want to pay attention to this one just a little bit. Buy body armor. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you if you can, while well, you can, uh, avoid concerts, all those fun things. <clears throat> The media is already attempting to rewrite the story. Okay, this is called Assault Rifles, uh, Rifles, Other Weapons Stolen from Army Reserve Armory in Massachusetts. I wish they would stop calling them assault rifles. It's not what they are. <clears throat> the media is already attempting to rewrite the story of an armory, Army Reserve Armory break-in. That's a mouthful. Say that five times twice. In Massachusetts, in which selective fire weapons and possibly heavier armament were stolen. The FBI confirms tonight some weapons are missing after a burglary at the Lincoln W. Stoddard U.S. Army Reserve Center in Worcester last night, but the agency insisted there is no indication of terrorism. The FBI is aware that some weapons are missing as the result of a break-in at the Army Reserve Center in Worcester. We have entered those weapons into an NCIC national database and alerted our federal, state, and local law enforcement partners said Kristen Sarita, a spokeswoman for Boston Special Agent in Charge, Harold H. Shaw. We are collaborating with Massachusetts State Police, Worcester Police, and others to locate and recover these weapons immediately, Sarita said. It's so funny. I slip right back into that old New England accent when I say names like Worcester. Um, There is no indication that these missing weapons are connected to any kind of terrorism threat whatsoever. Nevertheless, Every effort will be made to recover these weapons immediately. The Boston, there's a Boston Herald article and accompanying CVS video are rewriting key details of the original story. Originally, it was stated that 10 pistols and 6 M4s, the standard selective fire carbines used by the U.S. military, were taken in the armory, armory raid, along with a number of long guns. This intentionally murky invocation of long guns suggests heavier weaponry, either in the form of sniper rifles or perhaps even heavier weapons. What kind of weapons? An Indiana reservist commenting on the breaking gives us an idea of the kind of weaponry you'd expect to find in an Army Reserve armory. This is really bad. The amount of trouble it took to get in and steal weapons must have been worth it to someone. My reserve center in Indiana had a huge armored gun room with two-foot steel walls and tempered steel logs and tumblers. We had M9s, M16s, M203s, M60s, M249s, and some old M79s, and probably some things I never even saw. 
Most Americans can buy long guns and handguns legally, even in Massachusetts. If they want an M16, M4, etc., it would have been easier to buy them as semi-autos, though, any out-of-state stray man purchase, straw man purchase. So who would want full auto military weapons and would not worry about selling them or transporting them? And who would not care about police slash law enforcement security? The only answer I can think of would be drug cartels and terrorists. Drug cartels would need to travel all the way to Massachusetts or transport the guns back to Mexico or Central America. So the only people I can think of who would need military-grade full-auto firearms within the Commonwealth of Massachusetts are a terrorist cell. We will find these guns very soon. I just hope it is not after a mall attack or a stadium attack. Oh, for... I didn't write that. I'm reading you somebody's comment. Calm down. And if they honestly think that, uh, okay, and he, but here's this, okay? <laughs> that, that whole last line just pissed me off. Because um, they're most likely going to end up in, say, New York City in the hands of actual gangs. Um, okay. But here's the thing. All these fucking, who's that, who's that bitch in, this, in the house that you don't like? Fucking Feinstein? Yeah. Here's the thing. They lead people to believe that all of these drive-by shootings and, and this shit are are happening with guns purchased legally. Or guns that have been stolen from people that purchased them legally. That's what we see constantly. That is the impression that they want to give. And it's not the fucking case. A lot of these acts of violence are being carried out with weapons that the military and police authorities don't want to fucking tell people got stolen from them. I, I'm really surprised that this story even got printed. I really am. Because most of the time when, when this shit happens, they hide this shit. Like nobody's business. You, and you, they realize you, where I got, you realize where I got the story from, right? Do you follow the gun reporter on Facebook? You probably don't. No, I don't. That's that's where I got it from. The 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 one that gets me about it is is the the you know the police repeatedly stating, no no no, it's not. They're not in the hands of terrorists. No 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 no. It's like oh, so it's just normal criminals. That's fine then. But, yeah. you know, but here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. <laughs> the way the law is written now, mm-hmm. very. If I were to say to you very. You know, I could kill you for that. That's a fucking terroristic threat. What are the chances, Fairy, that I would ever actually physically harm you? Pretty slim. Very it's an awful long journey. <laughs> but in this country, that's a terroristic threat. So I don't give a fuck who has their hands on these weapons. If and when these fuckers are caught, they are going to say that we recovered these guns from these terrorists. Wait and see. It'll happen. Oh, because and it yeah, and in the modern agenda. in the modern day and age, it's also the military being cheapskate doesn't help. Oh, that it's was perfectly a conceivable. Given, sorry, sorry, everybody, sorry about that. I I did a gun story for Jeannie, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's perfectly possible in the the modern age for all military arms to carry some sort of um, RFID tracking chip embedded in the metal in the gun but they don't do that 
because that costs a lot of money. Can you please stop giving them good ideas? (laughs) Yeah, Barry, shut up. Um, They do it with our high tech equipment. It just just absolutely (laughs) floors me. But yet, did you see Larry? And I have to say this, and it hasn't been vetted. I have not vetted this story. Did you see the story that Larry posted on Facebook, Jan? About the 13 year old boy? No. Okay. Um, it, this has not been not been vetted at all, um, but this there's Larry posted a story that absolutely made my day. This 13 year old kid, um, a couple of guys were trying to break into this 13 year old kid's house, and um, the the kid stopped them with his mother's pistol. Oh. Hey, good for him. Yeah, uh, the one guy was a six time convicted felon. You know, now, there well, there was a... I'm not uh, happy that the kid had to kill somebody, mm-hmm. but I am very happy that when this child was threatened by a six-time convicted felon who was attempting to break into his home with one of his buddies, that this child was able to defend himself. Um, so, yay for that. Yeah. Oh, hey, I mean... He's still alive. But what I was going to say is there was a point in time when that was what was taught. You were actually taught firearm safety in schools. Yep. You know, Um, and it it seems like it was a thousand years ago, but it wasn't really. And, you know, I don't know. We had skeet shooting in middle school. Hey, (laughs) Jan, we had NRA rifle team practice. Mm Mm-hmm. In the in the elementary school gym, every day. <laughs> yeah, that would never happen today, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, we had we had um, ballistics mats that we hung on the walls and in our trap boxes, and um, yeah, we had NRA rifle team practice inside, not only inside the school, um, but in in the gym, and we did it every day. And you want to know how much unintentional things got shot? Not a fucking one. Because they taught you what the weapon was, what the weapon did, how it did it, and how you were supposed to control it. I'm telling you, I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm. Anything is a... I don't think a gun is a weapon. A gun is a tool. Just like a shovel is a tool, just like a hoe is a tool, just like a tractor is a tool. Any one of those can be a weapon when paired with the correct mindset. Um, the thing is, people are not taught to be responsible. For instance, my my twenty one year old niece. We've we've talked about her. The girl can't spell the name of the town she lives in. Wonders why she can't hold a job as a person who seats people at a restaurant for more than about two or three weeks. Yeah. She comes to my house and tells me that her boyfriend shot himself through the hand five times um, with hollow, yeah, with hollow points that he was loading into his gun. And I'm like, she's like, oh, you know, we go out in the woods and go shooting all the time. I'm like, he's an idiot and you're stupid, too. And she was offended. And I said, look, there's basic safety protocol. Every time you handle a firearm, you need to treat it like it's loaded. 
never point it at yourself. And why would you be pointing it at your hand? And how drunk would you have to be to shoot yourself through the hand five times with a hollow point bullet? Five times with a hollow point bullet? You mean the hand you used to have? It, well, Because um, they ain't going to be reconstructing that. If it was up close and personal, they could reconstruct it because... Never you're, you're you're never going to get full use of it back, though. So. Oh, hell no. I, bro- I no. broke my right hand in 27 places. Um, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> was not pleasant. Um, but I I don't have... I never had full use of it after that. Um, and that was just, you know, wrecking a motorcycle. You know, um, so his hand is like ground beef now. Yeah, um, he, he won't be holding his beer in that hand very well. But what I'm saying is this is the product of the school system she grew up in, of the parenting she got, of the way she was raised. And it wasn't like my brother and I were raised. We were raised in a stable home where you were taught responsibility for your own actions. No. You got a job no matter how much you didn't like it and you worked and you took care of your own and you learned how not to do stupid shit because my parents didn't raise morons. Um, And I can't say the same for her parents. And it's a shame because I thought my brother knew better than that. What's the, what was that George Thorogood song, Jan? Which one? The only one I think I know is I drink alone. Um, Get a haircut and get a real job. I don't think that's the name of the song. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, um, I'm sorry, but that story made me think of that George Thorogood song. Oh, she's an idiot. He's a mental midget, obviously, because a he's with her, and b, you know, shooting yourself in the hand five times. Yeah, you, you, you'd just, think the first one would have put you That's off what the I'm other saying. Four. How drunk are you five times? Because I take it, was this a revolver? Yeah. Yeah, that makes it even worse. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's quite a bit of time between the shots in your average revolver. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, bang! Uh, and then do it again. You know, there's like a two, three second gap. You're like. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying, you know, you know, Jesus, I knew people were stupid and I knew people were brain dead, but I didn't know that we had the same today, the kids had the same disconnect between their brain and the pain reflex that a brontosaurus had between its tail and its brain. You know why that's funny, because oh, if yeah, the brontosaurus yeah. got bit on the tail, it would take two and a half years for the pain signal to reach its fucking brain. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's kind yeah, of that, scary that, shit. That guy, you need somehow to get him... Of, well, it shouldn't be hard, actually, if he's that <laughs> dumb. You need to persuade him that he needs to donate himself to medical science for experimentation. Well, he needs to right now. Because, yeah. obviously, he has a very high pain tolerance. I've got a high pain tolerance. I think I, would, I wouldn't I would even have done the first bullet, obviously. Exactly. But exactly. Shit. I mean, <laughs> exactly. You point it where a bullet is cannot technically come up and hit you if you've got one, you know, in it somewhere. But if you've got five in it and it's a revolver, you're a moron. 
you're yes. a moron. And then you held it up and shot it at your hand. Why? I'm, I'm sure there's some selfie of this on our Facebook page or something. I should probably try and find it just so I can put it up in the chat next week and we can all this laugh. This ground meat is my boyfriend's caveman. hand. Yeah. Hmm? This ground meat is a picture of my boyfriend's hand. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 they can't afford drugs. Christ, there's three people living in that apartment and the one who shot himself is the only one working. <laughs> He's the only one who was working. Was the only one working. Yeah, exactly. And it's a shame because something like that is not something you can run to work and punch in and then just lay on the ground and go, oh, God, I don't know what happened. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because if you don't go to hospital to get treatment, you're going to bleed out. Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Well, you've got some got some good blood vessels there in the hand. Well, yeah, because it's semi-hollow <laughs> points, it's going to rip holes rather than put nice clean holes in. So, yeah, you're going to bleed out. <laughs> and, and, unless you have an awful lot of towels. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Still, I mean, he's got to go... They say he's going to be a couple of years in physical therapy. Oh, yeah. Well, so you'll probably never be able to grip with that hand properly ever again. Even well, if they manage to reconnect the muscles up. <sighs> I don't know what they did. I, I just, ew, I don't know. Um, but um, that's a perfect example of why we should remove all warning labels from stuff. Society kind of needs a cleansing, and I hate to sound elitist or I hate to sound like I'm proposing a eugenics agenda. I'm really not. I'm just saying, um, if you take the warning labels away, what will happen is the 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 breeding pool of stupid people will get some chlorine in it, and you know some of the smarter people will probably choose to procreate. You know, and I said that last night, and a lot of people got really pissed off at me. Um, they were talking on Kevin's show, and they were talking about how you know, well, you know, and all this stuff should every vendor out there should have a warning on their e-liquid right now. No, 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 no. Fuck warning labels. We should, there shouldn't be warning labels on anything. You want to use your blow dryer while you're taking a bath? Go for it. Have fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I understand a lot Dylan of... says that the gun nuts, many of the gun nuts can't read anyway. I read. And I'm not a nut. You know, I, I think there's, there's a, there has to be a balance in society, okay? There does. There, um... There's two different kinds of people. There's the kind of people that can have firearms and use them safely. And then there's the kind of people who just think they look cool and, you know, do what my idiot niece's boyfriend did. Um, And those kind of people, I don't believe in gun control, but I, I do believe if you do something like that to yourself, your weapons should be seized by the state. And I never think the state oh, is that, an answer to any problem. For 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 reference, you've just had an image. You, what you've just said had an image run past my head. Okay. So it's a badass two, where where the bad guy's robbing a place and he's holding the gun sideways, and the old guy <laughs> in the store n- is like, out, "You don't kid. want to do that." <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah, kick ass. Because that is what happens. Too. It was kick ass too. Yeah, the the N- gun is designed job. to kick straight up in the air, but if you're holding it sideways, that means you hit yourself in the face. Yep. Which is okay. why it's always hilarious when 
that's one reason why they do it in films, mind you, is, yeah, hopefully people who think it's cool to play around with guns will see that and try and copy it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking Hollywood directors are trying to thin the herd? I think so, yeah, because loads of these action films, they've got the pistols sideways, and it just won't shoot accurately that way for a start. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it'll blow back and you're probably going to break your own nose. Um well, you know, some people need a good broken nose to get on with their lives, I guess. Yeah. And although the, the British military used to have a weapon which was designed to hurt soldiers, and not the ones you're shooting it at. don't know if you've heard about the boys' rifle. No. It was no, designed no. as an anti-tank weapon. Nice. But the recoil on it's so vicious that sort of 8 out of 10 people who fired one used to end up with dislocated shoulders or broken collarbones. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, there's no recall compensation. It's a World War II weapon. <laughs> well, who the fuck ever thought that an anti-tank weapon should be fun and easy to use? <laughs> I did meet one guy who'd used one when he was in the military, and he says, yeah, I fired it once, set fire to a whole hillside. I bet, and I bet he paid for that for a long time. Yeah, well, he was using it on... He was, he was being trained to use it, and he fired it. And th they were in the countryside, and it was a dry summer. So the blast from the end of the gun set fire to all the grass. <laughs> I mean, but, but okay, Jan. Yes. If somebody, if somebody said to you, here, yes. this rifle will stop mm -hmm. a tank. Just okay. put it up to your shoulder and squeeze it. <laughs> what are you, you going to say? No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm... Okay. It's always good to have options. Okay? <laughs> never, never turn down a weapon. Okay? Um, because you never know when you might need to use it. Okay? But, but anything... Require mounting to a permanent fixture. Well, right. But th that's why I have a husband who can build anything. Oh, well, I know, should point Including out. a gun. That it was doing this when it was being used on a bi, you know, with a bipod. Oh, good God! That's how bad the recoil is on it. Um, yeah, they quickly added giant spring-loaded recoil compensation, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, that and the fact, of course, it was useless at putting holes in tanks. <laughs> but it ended up being used against buildings and long-range people, you know. I just, I don't see where, honestly, I don't see where the payoffs, I mean, I understand, yeah, building, okay, that kind of makes sense, you're at war, that makes sense, but you've got an anti-tank weapon that won't take down a tank, but it'll take out your shoulder. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to think twice before using that, and maybe, hey, look, maybe, look, the, maybe see, that's the cure to idiots having firearms, because Many, there are many some militaries around the world tried to come up with sticky hand grenades, as in... It's got glue on it, you throw it, it sticks to what you've thrown on it, and then it blows up. But Wait nobody ever quite solved the problem of, yeah, like quite look. often it ends up stuck to the person who's just you put the pin out. You get, to, you get to throw, if you're a heroic person, you get to throw your body around it. If you're an asshole, you get to wave it around on your fucking hand yep. and blow up everybody that's around you. But that, that was World War Two as well. Most Sticky people grenades. are going to make that split-second decision to throw themselves on it. 
Yeah. And then Good. and then somebody in your family gets to sue the manufacturer because the sticky thing stuck to you. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that was World War Two as well. Uh, the particular problem apparently was that they had thought about this. They put a handle on the grenade. Unfortunately, in warm weather, mm-hmm. and when I say warm weather, not all that warm really. The right. glue would get tacky and dribble down onto the handle. Oh, for God's sake! You know, <laughs> you know. I think it might not always be me that makes people go. Why do we always come here? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Um, since we just horrified me with the stupidity of weapons designers, I think we'll pick something else. You probably don't want to hear that whole ethics thing. Okay. How about we talk about China and the IMF? Yeah. Everybody loves the IMF. Oh, yeah. They're just wonderful. What, wait, who the hell's everybody? Uh, the everybody IMF. who's had their, had their country stolen by IMF terms and conditions, oh. ask the people of Greece how much they like them. And <clears throat> Ireland. Mm. Oh, Ireland. Yes. Okay. China welcomes IMF backing to make yuan, yuan, yen, yen, world reserve currency. See? See how bad I am? I can't even pronounce that right. I can't even fucking pronounce it. I can read it right, so don't worry about it. <laughs> China on Saturday welcomed banking from the IMF experts that the yen should be included in its reserve currencies, saying the move would strengthen the world's financial system. Please remember, when I'm telling you this, I'm breaking off from this story completely, that China is also home to the place where they build cities full of nothing to keep their economy working. Back to the story. Now the world's second largest economy, China asked last year for the yen to be added to the elite basket of SDR currencies, but until recently it was considered too tightly controlled to qualify. It now looks like the yen will be formally admitted to the IMF's special drawing rights currency basket at the end of the month, which would mark a milestone in China's efforts to become a global economic power. IMF chief Christine Lagarde, that bitch, said the fund now deemed the yen meets the requirements to be a freely usable currency, a key hurdle to joining the yen, dollar, pound, and euro as a leading unit in international trade. The yen hit headlines in August when China's central bank devalued the currency and said it would use a more market-oriented system to calculate the point around which the currency can trade each day. The move sent markets into a tailspin as investors took it as a sign of slowing growth in China, a key driver of the world's economy. But the central bank on Saturday said such reforms had taken it closer to joining the SDR basket. China thinks the inclusion of the RBN yen into the SDR basket will strengthen the representativeness and attraction of the SDR and that it will improve the existing international monetary system, the People's Bank of China added. It will have win-win benefits for China and the world. Yeah. Not buying it. No, it's just, you know, the Chinese consolidating their hold on world international markets. Um, <laughs> I mean, shit, they keep buying up everybody's debt to make their own debt look better. Uh, <laughs> they've always they've always done what they have to. Yeah. But what you really want to look at when you want to look at the... 
how healthy someone's economy is, is the amount of shipped goods yeah. out of their country versus the money coming in. I mean, that that's the best indicator of what's actually going on in that country. Yeah, because the, the big stories for China are this. And uh, uh, a week or two ago, they're mm-hmm. being all nicey-nicey with Taiwan again. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Who are the other big industrial juggernaut in the area, funnily enough. Um, and, and they've been arguing for quite a long time. <laughs> I mean, let's not forget, Japan went through that quantitative easing thing again, and now they're in their fifth straight recession. Does that make it a depression? Well, Ch- Japan's never... Been out of, out it of the from red the time they went to below zero since World War rates. Two, as far as I'm right. aware. No, yeah, no, the, they the, haven't. The and I don't understand how their economy crap. still functions. I mean, it, yeah. it still functions because it's just a belief-based system, like yeah. Santa Claus or that. Plus the fact they do have strong industry. But yeah, Japan, Japan's been screwed for ages. Yeah, but um, I'm just saying their their debt cycle has never stopped. No, and and they're just hemorrhaging money. So China's really, trying to avoid being the same way. Yeah. 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 I guess they're done building their invisible cities. Oh, their useless no, cities. No, no, no. The they're cities. rebuilding the invisible cities because they all fell <laughs> down and they've got to put them back up again. Oh, that's true. Um, what was it I read last week? What, do you remember that uh, company in China? The it, it was like that big manufacturing plant. It was huge, right? And it employed 7,000 people. I mean, it, so it must have been gigantic. Yeah. The guy who owned it left and took everybody's pay with him. Yeah. Now, all these people from the surrounding towns are slipping in the streets. How can everyone be in debt? Because money isn't a real thing. Money is only real because we believe it's real. The only thing real is trade. The only... Yeah reason we have money is because if I can make a pot and you can make a loaf of bread, you might not want to take a pot in exchange for a loaf of bread. That's all money does is is ease that barrier towards getting what you want. Um, I think I've said it before. You want to talk about money. You, you have to read a lot of really classic literature and economists don't really teach people to read that stuff no. because some some of the better economic theories about stuff war how stuff works um one of the best books and nobody has the fucking patience to read it i've read it but nobody else wants to sit and read it because it's it's old and it's boring is called um the wealth of nations it's really a great book if you want to understand the economy and how it works and money and all of those systems. And well, even back funnily, in those times, enough, it, some, it actually talked about ethical economies. Go ahead. Yeah. Funnily enough, some of the best um, stuff you can read about economic practice is in really, really ancient books of war, like The Art of War. There's stuff about econ- economical practices in that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, it's no. been talked I mean, about an awful long time. Mm-hmm. And people still mess it up. Um, 
Well, people always mess it up, and it's it's usually through their intervention and trying to fix the system that they have instead yeah, of it's, it's admitting. People having, it's people having bright ideas. Well, Ooh, I've come up with this new thing. Admit that those fancy little pieces of paper only have as much value as you assign to them. Yeah. Right. Um, especially, it doesn't matter what they're linked to. Although, if you link them to to something that's valuable to most people it'll have higher value than other currency, but most currency is unpegged anymore. It's not pegged to anything, and it's just sort of free-floating. And you can see its value has declined. Yeah. Oh, but it's um, people yeah. messing with the system instead of letting the system... And I don't want to say die, because yeah. it's not what I say. When I say we need to fix the money, we really need to fix the money, but it's already arbitrarily out there in cyberspace. There has to be a way to have a decentralized currency hub that we can use that way that has nothing to do with governments and nothing to do with big businesses. And I'm not talking Bitcoin. I'm talking something that, you know, normal people can attain. You've tried yeah. to mine for Bitcoin, Barry. Isn't it frustrating? Well, no, I was looking at how it was done. I didn't actually do very much of it. But, yeah, you have to have incredibly specialized equipment to make it even pay for its own electricity um, so, yeah. So the only people bit mining are mostly sitting in China uh, with giant banks of electronics. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically, that was my fun money contribution for the evening. Oh, I will say the, the way the monetary system works um, basically traces back to medieval Europe and the way the royal families used to get up to uh, warfare with each other. Mm. They needed to fund a war, so they created banks, people lent them money, then they'd welch on the loan, <laughs> so the bank would have to um, screw up other people so that it could continue running. Yeah, it all, all dates back to that, you'll be unsurprised to learn. Well, I'm really not, actually. Um, if you want to interesting lesson in monetary history the history of like checkbook banking there's like five different kinds of cash yeah if you want an interesting history of that i recommend a book called the creature from jekyll island by g edward griffin um it's very interesting if you haven't read it um it, it will suck you right in it's, it's a hell of a read and um, I don't normally say that about historical texts. Um, so I said I was going to talk about stingrays. Very. Stand by for action. We are about to launch Stingray. Anything can happen in the next half hour. 
Okay, the first of the two Stingray stories tonight come to us from Vancouver. Privacy advocates bulk at police silence over Stingray cell tracking devices. Vancouver advocacy groups are demanding to know if the city's police department has been using a surveillance tool (laughs) known as a Stingray, which can secretly track cell phone use and has been embroiled in controversy in the United States. But the Vancouver Police Department is standing by its decision not to comment on the device, whose foothold in Canada has largely remained a mystery, saying it's in the public's interest not to disclose any information about it. Douglas King, a lawyer with Pivot Legal Society, said he has filed an appeal with the Provincial Privacy Commissioner after his Freedom of Information request to Vancouver Police failed to turn up any records. Mr. King filed his request in July and asked for records related to the use of the Stingray or any other cell site simulator that is a device that pretends to be a cell phone tower to connect with nearby phones and can capture voice and text communications. Vancouver Police responded to Mr. King in September. A member of the Department's Information and Privacy Unit said that under the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act, a public body may refuse to neither confirm nor deny the existence of certain records. The member added that the act allows a public body to refuse to disclose information if the disclosure could reasonably be expected to harm the effectiveness of investigative techniques and procedures currently used or likely to be used in law enforcement. Mr. King said citizens have a right to know if police are engaging in mass surveillance. I'd like to believe that Canada and Vancouver police wouldn't start rolling out this device without judicial oversight because it would so clearly be a breach of privacy and charter rights, he said in an interview Wednesday. Michael Vaughn, director with BC Civil Liberties Association, wrote in a statement that the logical assumption from the department's response is that it's using Stingray. It is totally unacceptable for the VPD that the VPD are not willing to be accountable for their use of such devices and rights violations that are likely to flow from their use. In response to Mr. King's request, Constable Brian Montague, a Vancouver police spokesman, said it is in the public's interest at times not to disclose certain information. Constable Montague said the department's response to Mr. King was in accordance with the information law. He said there is some information that police agencies are not required to share simply because someone asks for it. David... Murakami Wood, an associate professor of sociology at Queen's University and Canada Research Chair in Surveillance Studies. They have a research chair in surveillance studies. So the use of Stingray in the United States has been well documented. However, both he and Mr. King said little is known about its use in Canada. The American Civil Liberties Union has said at least 57 agencies, including the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the National Security Agency, and the IRS, own Stingray devices, but many others have shrouded their purchases. Earlier this month, U.S. Representative Jason Chavez introduced legislation to limit the use of cell site simulators by government agencies as well as state and local law enforcement. Mr. King said non-disclosure agreements have been used in the sales of such devices, and it is inappropriate for police to sign away their duty to be transparent. Professor Murakami Woods said the discussion about stingrays has reminded him of the Toronto debate over the long-range acoustic devices ahead of the the 2010 G20 summit. What that case brought home to me was exactly this issue. It doesn't matter in some ways what particular technology we're talking about. There seems to be almost no control over what police forces can buy in this country, he said in an interview. A judge, in that instance, ruled police could use the long-range acoustic device 
voice function, but not its ear piercing alert function. Not really a shock. They're not going to want to tell you they've got one because we already know. Well, yeah, um, Canada and the UK share quite similar laws. And yeah, um, if they admitted to having it, they'd be breaking a load of laws. <laughs> yeah, they're well, never going to admit yeah. voluntarily that they have them. Um, yeah. It has to be found out by a leak drop or, you know, yeah. by somebody riding around. What was it? Was it the black phone a couple of years ago? Was how they found a whole bunch of them in the United States. Do you remember yeah. that? The guy was riding around with the phone and he said, oh, it can detect cell site simulators. And they were driving near a military base and they found a shit ton of them. And the U.S. military is going, yeah, those 10 are ours, but the other 10, we don't know who they belong to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Turns out police stingray spy tools can indeed record calls. It's a shocker. The federal government has been fighting hard for years to hide details about its use of so-called Stingray surveillance technology from the public. The surveillance devices simulate cell phone towers in order to trick nearby mobile phones into connecting to them and revealing the phone's locations. Now documents recently obtained by the ACLU confirm long-held suspicions that the controversial devices are also capable of recording numbers for a mobile phone's incoming and outgoing calls, as well as intercepting the content of voice and text communication. The documents also discuss the possibility of flashing a phone's firmware so that you can intercept conversations using a suspect's cell phone as a bug. The information appears in a 2008 guideline prepared by the Justice Department to advise law enforcement agents on when and how the equipment can be legally used. The Department of Justice ironically acknowledges in the documents that the use of the surveillance technology to locate cellular phones is an issue of some controversy. The ACLU of Northern California obtained the documents, and I'll grab that and throw it in the chat, after a protracted legal battle involving a two-year public records request. Okay, so that is a long time to be fighting the government. <clears throat> the documents include not only policy guidelines, but also templates for submitting requests to courts to obtain permission to use the technology. The Department of Justice ironically acknowledges in the documents that the use of the surveillance technology to locate cellular phones is an issue of some controversy, but it doesn't elaborate on the nature of the controversy. Civil liberties groups have been fighting since 2008 okay, uh, to obtain information about how they use it and why and under what authority. Local law enforcement agencies have used the equipment numerous times in secret without obtaining a warrant and have even deceived courts about the nature of technology to obtain orders to use it. And they've resorted to extreme measures to prevent groups like the ACLU from obtaining documents about the technology. Stingrays go by a number of different names, including cell site simulator, triggerfish, IMS eye catcher, wolf pack, gossamer, and swamp box, according to the documents. So now we have new names. They can be used to determine the location of phones, computers using open wireless networks, and PC wireless data cards, also known as air cards. The devices, generally the size of a suitcase, work by emitting a stronger signal than nearby towers in order to force a phone or mobile device to connect to them instead of a legitimate tower. Once a mobile device connects, the phone reveals its unique device ID, after which the Stingray releases the device so it can connect to a legitimate cell tower 
allowing data and voice calls to go through. Assistance from a cell phone carrier isn't required to use the technology unless law enforcement doesn't know the general location of a suspect and needs to pinpoint a geographical area in which to deploy the stingray. Once a phone's general location is determined, investigators can use a handheld device that provides more pinpoint precision in the location of a phone or mobile device. This includes being able to pinpoint an exact office or apartment where the device is being used. In addition to the device ID, the devices can also collect additional information. Investigators also seldom tell judges that the devices collect data from all phones in the vicinity of a stingray, not just the targeted phone, and can disrupt regular cell service. If the cellular telephone is used to make or receive a call, the screen of the digital analyzer cell site simulator Triggerfish would tr include the cellular number. MIN, the call's incoming or outgoing status, the telephone number dialed, the cellular telephone's ESN, date, time, duration of the call, and the cell site number selector location of the cellular phone when the call was connected, the documents note. In order to use the devices, agents are instructed to obtain a pen register, trap and trace court order. Pen registers are traditionally used to obtain phone numbers and calls and the two field of emails while trap and trace is used to collect information about received calls and the from information of emails. While using a stingray to identify a specific phone or mobile device suspect is using, collections should be limited to device identifiers, the DOJ document notes. It should not encompass dialed digits as that would entail surveillance on the calling activity of all persons in the vicinity of the subject which kind of tells me it has the ability to do that. The documents add, however, that the devices may be capable of intercepting the contents of communications, and therefore such devices must be configured to disable the interception function unless interceptions have been authorized by a Title III order. Title III is the federal wiretapping law that allows law enforcement with a court order to intercept communications in real time. Civil liberties groups have long suspected that some stingrays used by law enforcement have the ability to intercept the content of voice calls and text messages, but law enforcement agencies have insisted that the devices they use are not configured to do so. Another controversial capability involves the ability to block mobile communications, such as in war zones, to prevent attackers from using a mobile phone to try and trigger an explosive or during political demonstrations to prevent activists from organizing by mobile phones. Stingray devices used by police in London have both of these capabilities, but it's not known how often or in what capacity they have been used. The documents also note that law enforcement can use the devices without a court order under exceptional circumstances. Most surveillance laws include provisions to give investigators the ability to conduct rapid surveillance under emergency circumstances, such as when lives are at stake. Investigators are then to apply for a court order within 24 hours after the emergency surveillance begins. But according to the documents, the DOJ considers activity characteristic of organized crime and an ongoing attack of a protected computer when used by a financial institution or the U.S. government where violation is a felony, to be considered an exception to. In other words, emergency situations could be a hack involving a financial institution. While such crimes are potentially serious, they simply do not justify bypassing the ordinary legal processes that were designed to balance the government's need to investigate crimes with the public's right to a government that abides by the law. 
Linda Lai, Senior Staff Attorney for the ACLU of Northern California, notes in a blog post about the documents. Another issue of controversy relates to the language that investigators use to describe the Stingray technology. Templates for requesting quarters from judges advise the specific terminology investigators should use and never identify the Stingray by name. They simply describe the tool as either a pen-registered trap-and-trace device or a device used to detect radio signals emitted from wireless cellular telephones in the vicinity of the subject that identify the telephones. The ACLU has long accused the government of misleading judges in using the pen-register trap-and-trace term, since stingrays are primarily used not to identify phone numbers called and received, but to track the location and movement of a mobile device. Investigators also seldom tell judges that the devices collect data from all phones in the vicinity of a stingray, not just a targeted phone, and can disrupt cellular service. It's not known how quickly stingrays release devices that connect to them, allowing them to connect to a legitimate cell tower. During the period that devices are connected to a stingray, disruption can occur for anyone in the vicinity of the technology. It can also occur from the way stingrays force downgrade mobile devices from 3G and 4G to 2G. If they're being used to intercept the, con- the concept of communications. In order for the kind of stingray used by law enforcement to work for this purpose, it exploits a vulnerability in the 2G protocol. Phones using 2G don't authenticate cell towers, which means that a rogue tower can pass itself off as a legitimate cell tower. But because 3 and 4G networks have fixed this vulnerability, the stingray will jam these networks to force nearby phones to downgrade to the vulnerable 2G network to communicate. Depending on how long the jamming is taking place, there's going to be a disruption, Chris Segoyan chief technology chief technologist for the ACLU is told wired previously when your phone goes down to 2G your data just goes to hell so at the very least you'll have disruption of the internet connectivity and if and when the phones are using the stingray as their only tower there will likely be an inability to receive or make calls concerns about the use of stingrays are growing much last march senator bill nelson that dick uh, Democrat in Florida, sent a letter to the FCC calling on the agency to disclose information about its certification process for approving stingrays and other tools with similar functionality. Nelson asked, in particular, for information about any oversight put in place to make sure that the use of the devices complies with manufacturer's specifications to the FCC about how the technology is used. Nelson also raised concerns about their use in a remarkable speech on the Senate floor. The Senator said the technology poses a grave threat to consumer cell phone and internet privacy, particularly when law enforcement agencies use them without warrant. Increased attention prompted the Justice Department this month to release a new federal policy on the use of stingrays requiring a warrant anytime federal investigators use them. The rules, however, don't apply to local police departments, which are among the most prolific users of technology, and they've been using them for years without obtaining a warrant. The reason I called Bill Nelson Dick um, he was a big proponent of a lot of the surveillance technology that was used when we had the Republican convention in Tampa a few years ago. And it was really bad use of technology that really invaded people's privacy on a huge level. I just think he's two-faced on that. But anyway. Well, he's a politician. I would assume he's two-faced. I I expect my politicians to be two-faced, but, you know, I can still, I can still express disgust with it. 
because yeah. it's disgusting. But yes, it's no surprise that, that uh, yeah, the Stingray can take calls, as it were. <laughs> no, it, well, it's um, it's an interception it's, device. That's what yeah, that's what it's it been designed for. You know. What I was going to say is, it kind of reminds me of the GCHQ. Yeah. Take everything. Mm-hmm. Take everything. And it's well, funny one, of, too. one of the biggest uses recently of stingrays uh, outside your local police departments is <laughs> Egypt. Um, during the uprising in Egypt, and now that they've got their new crazy in charge, mm-hmm. there are large areas of Egypt where you just can't use your cell phone because these things are being used to block everything. You know... It's really funny because I can remember a few years ago, somebody put up uh, this sort of, it it connects to your cell phone, right? And this guy made this device, it connects to your cell phone, but it also connects you to other people who have the same device because of how the cops use stingrays during political protests. It was up on Kickstarter. I kind of wonder whatever happened to it because I think something like that if it were affordable, would be a really good thing to have if you were a political protester. Well, some of the older older Nokia phones have a push-to-text technology built in, which does exactly that. Any of the PTT-enabled phones, you can send messages back and forth to each other without using the cell tower. (laughs) So... I guess maybe if you're going to a political protest, just get an older phone. <laughs> yeah, because I used to have one that did that. That's kind of <laughs> long awesome. time ago. I mean, I mean that's kind of awesome when you think about it. It's something that really, really should be a feature you could get with your cell phone. You can get everything else. There's right? probably apps that do it. Let's face it. <laughs> well, speaking of scary shit, I should probably ask about. Because <laughs> okay. you know, I mean. Um, there is a messaging app on my phone now. Um, I have one messaging app, and if I don't have cell service, it automatically sends it out over Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay. Am I supposed to be afraid of this shit? You should be afraid of everything that anybody can use (laughs) to track location information about you, but... You know, I don't think you should be any more scared of that than anything else. Um... Well, the fact that she's using Wi-Fi is probably less dangerous than it using the cell tower, to be honest. Because that means See? it's writing it through your home phone line. Yeah. So it's really not... It's not as bad as all that. Oh, yeah. oh, also, really, really interesting WikiLeaks <laughs> released a dump a couple of days ago. And it's 30 hours of phone calls. It's audio. See, I don't normally talk about WikiLeaks because their stuff is really dry and it's really hard to, to come through. Uh, and I'm sticking a link in here for Jeannie. Don't worry about everything. You can't fix everything, but you can make yourself more secure. Um, they released 30 hours of telephone calls. And it's all about this program that the U.S. government has set up to provide employment for handicapped people and how they take all this money and they're funneling it into, like, Defense Department contracts and stuff. 
um, and they don't really have any handicapped people who are working for them. It's, it's pretty damning stuff. And the worst part is, like, this started during the Bush administration. The Obama administration just kind of picked it up and made it worse. Not that that's surprising to anybody, but it's really interesting stuff. That's something to look at. Uh, their audio files are better organized than a lot of their other stuff. So if you find that kind of thing interesting, you know, political corruption like I do, that's really something to look at. Well, it's, it is corruption, but not in a similar way. It's just political shell gaming with your budgets. We can't <sighs> officially put the budget into that particular operation, so we'll use a shell organization to funnel... But- I mean, that, but it, that's been going on for decades. Right, but it's shitty ethics. Yeah. I mean, it's one sign of a decline, right? We, we can all admit it, right? Every government's kind of going to shit. It's not just mine. It isn't just yours. It's worldwide. And part of that is that they've been corrupt and unethical for so long that we just kind of go, nah, well, I expected that and move along. Yeah. It's like nothing is shocking anymore. It should be shocking, and heads should roll for that shit. And not like the little guy at the bottom who's like some clerk in an office who's going to get fired for it. But heads really should roll for this kind of stuff. Yes, I, I remember a particular Mr. North taking taking the hit for the government on one of the larger ones. You know, there's a lot of shit that's happened that's pretty fucked up. And, um... Yeah. So anyway, I think the last story we'll talk about is France's new surveillance law. Oh, and by the way, I really wouldn't want to be in Paris right now. Have you seen some of the live feeds out of there? Yeah. It looks like a fucking war zone, which I guess it kind of is. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad I don't live there now. They get attacked, they shut their borders down. What did the governor of the state of Pennsylvania do today? We're going to take in Syrian refugees. You know, here's the thing. Um, That stuff should be voluntary. You know, um, and I don't know what the hell they're going to do out in Pennsylvania. They're going to be bored and snowed in. Well, the um, Amish will teach them how to make um, cow cheese instead of goat cheese. Oh, hey. You know. Well, they they can share beard grooming tips with the Amish. God, you know, um, it's really funny. We didn't have a whole lot of Amish where I grew up, but um, we had a lot of Quakers. You want some? No. <laughs> Do you want some Quakers? No. You don't want them either. Do they? Yeah, well, nothing. I was going to say something, and it would come off as sounding very cold and callous, and I don't mean it that way. I just mean that it's an affront to my nasal passages. <laughs> <laughs> God. Okay. Um... So anyway, France. As it plans its response to a series of six terrorist attacks Friday night that killed 129 and injured 352. And and by the way, the Eagles of Death Metal is a shit band. I just thought I'd mention that. The government of France will likely step up its efforts to keep tabs on the movements and communications of people within its borders. 
As it happens, the attacks occurred only a few months after legislation in that country passed. A sweeping new surveillance law that gives the government broad powers to closely monitor the mobile phone and internet communications of French citizens. Passed by the French Parliament in May in response to the attacks on the Paris-based magazine Charlie Hebdo, the law allows governments to monitor phone calls and emails of people suspected of connections to terrorism without the authorization of a judge. It's like our Freedom Act. But it goes further than that. The law requires Internet service providers to install black boxes that are designed to vacuum up and analyze metadata on the web browsing and general Internet use habits of millions of people using the web and to make the data available to intelligence agencies. In exceptional cases, the law allows the government to deploy what are called stingrays, or IMSI catchers, to track all mobile phone communications in a given area. These catchers are basically designed to impersonate cell towers, but they intercept and record communications data from phones within range and can also track the movements of people carrying the phones. Finally, the law allows government agents to break into homes of people of suspected terrorism for the purpose of planting microphone bugs, surveillance cameras, and to install keyloggers on their computer devices, computers, devices that capture data on every keystroke and mouse click. Critics of the law complain that there is not much oversight and that the conditions under which the law powers can be triggered are vague. As The Verge noted in July, the government can authorize surveillance for major foreign policy interests or to counter organized delinquency. Dissent. Surveillance operations are overseen by a nine-person committee led by Prime Minister Manuel Valls. But that committee has only an advisory role and cannot overrule decisions by the prime minister. Oh, the the, one I, the description there I love that is the description of how they've worded it: organized delinquency. I oh know. my god! That's, two that's... kids have organized to skip school. <laughs> Whack out all the surveillance gear. <laughs> well, but it's not that. That's what they should have said was dissent, and what they yeah. mean is political protest. Yes. So, once again, in the rush to keep us safe, allegedly, this is what they do. Well, as I said, they're already, in the UK, they're also going, oh, after Paris, we might want to rush through the snooper charter, uh, which is the similar thing in the UK. You know, they're taking all this information, right? They've got so much information, they can't possibly wade through it. It's not even really helping them in too many investigations, right? So what the fuck are they using it for? Well, when you when you read all the more serious reports about what happened in Paris, it's yeah, they they, they knew there was going to be an attack sometime in the next however long in Paris. They were told, but they, were they couldn't. Told yeah, but they couldn't. Six other but the metadata didn't help them at all. Exactly, <laughs> because there's so much of it, it takes mm-hmm. so long to run through it all that. Exactly. The only information they had from metadata was there's going to be an attack sometime in the next six months. That was it. And, you know, that's the disturbing part. You know, they've been told, people told them, heads of other governments told them. And they just kind of went, yeah, okay. The, the, and then this happened. The only, the, only, the only bit that I found worrying other than the attack itself 
was one of the arrests quite close afterwards was the guy who was arrested in Germany with assault rifles and a rocket launcher in his car who was heading for France. Yeah. You know. Now, they're just... The, the media is assuming he's connected. Uh, I'm <laughs> what kind of assuming it's you? connected. Yeah, I mean, what does common sense tell you? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't take two and two to make... You know, it doesn't take a genius to add two and two and get four. Yeah. And, yeah, they've they've uh, recovered much heavier weapons than what were used from locations. But, but you can't, you know, I mean, you can't say that this guy, you know, because he did something in his past... That was terroristic <laughs> in nature. That he might actually, you know, be connected to the most recent terroristic event. You know what? If that's fuck me. I mean, if that's profiling, um, I thought that that was always just considered logic. It is I, not I also, I also, or anything, but you know. <laughs> I also want to know what they make passports out of. Because it make damn good explosive shielding for houses and stuff. Because <laughs> they find that intact Syrian password, uh, passport, yeah, the outside I the mean, Stade de Paris. Completely. And it was attacked by guys who blew themselves up. Uh-huh. So the passport survived the explosion with and no it damage. pristine. It's just yeah. kind of amazing. Pristine. Either that or as some... Conspiracy PD people think go that's awfully convenient. Uh, well, that plus know, the fact I mean, the, the media were being careful, and so were the government, and saying we can't confirm that was the guy who actually blew himself up. Well, they, somebody might have nicked of his identity. Mean, it just sounds funny. Yeah, you know, it's just it's one of those two perfect things that you go, okay, that doesn't really happen randomly. No. I mean, things do happen randomly that, that don't normally. You know, there are things that can happen that don't normally yeah, happen. If you have if you have passports that lapse, pin them to the outside of your house, it might stop an <laughs> explosion. You never know. <laughs> I guess. Um, mm. Yeah, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but... Uh, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Um... Everybody knows that my government would not have been involved in World War One without the sinking of the Lusitania, right? Yeah. Okay, and, and everybody understands that that one time governments around the world were selling ads to newspapers in the United States telling people not to travel in this region of the world. Yeah. Correct? Okay. Mm. And... Everybody also knows that my government told all of these major publications not to take the money and not to print the ads. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just historical record. Yeah. Okay. We also know the Lusitania was blown up and a lot of American people died. Because of that, we got involved in World War One when we were a rapidly anti-war country. Oh, and also, it appears German intelligence had been conned into thinking the Lusitania had an arms shipment on it. Mm-hmm. Which is the reason why it got blown up. Yeah. What I'm what I'm saying is, um, you can't always rule out the idea that some government, somehow, in some way, was involved with something to push their own agenda. Yeah. 
if my government was involved with that, what else were they involved with? And I mean, I would tell I would tell you to go read the Northwood documents if you have any doubt that governments get involved in these kind of things all the time. And that's all I'm going to say about that without sounding fucking crazy. <laughs> so I'm done with that. Uh, I I just wish right, I just wish in the UK they'd kept some of the older names for the spy organisations. <laughs> Because I think MI6 is a bit dry. I think it was much better when it was the Department for Dirty Tricks. <laughs> you know what? I think it's humorous and I think it's truthful. And I think the one thing the government does is... Well, the two things the government does is A, it has no sense of humor and B, it is not truthful. So you probably won't see a return to fun things like that anytime in the near future. Which oh, is these, a shame, because that well, would... It, it, these, these are the same people who come up with the Smurfs idea, so, you know. <laughs> well, it's not really the same people. That's their surveillance people. And, and let's be honest, anybody who has an interest in surveillance from either side is going to be kind of like a geeky, techy person. Yeah. And that's kind of what I am. That's kind of what you are. So, of course, we find, like, paranoid Smurfs, like, the funniest name for a that, program, and look what it what does. I, I, you, you forgot to point that out. That's kind of what I'm on. You're not, but you're here for the ride, and you're you're horrified the entire time, aren't you? No, I get really pissed off. <laughs> Good. That's what this is supposed to do. Yeah. It's supposed to make you mad. If oh. you're mad, and enough of you are mad, you'll demand accountability. Do you, do you want the useless information that I learned today, I mean, it, that I learned this week? I mean, and it's kind of useless to me, but it, it's okay. probably not useless to a lot of people out there. Um, have you seen on TV now that they're pushing this new um, anti-blood uh, clot medication, that Xarelto and yes. all of that crap? Yes. Okay. So I was talking to a nurse who shall go unnamed. Historically, Coumadin has been used to treat people with Coumadin and heparin. Um, It's been used for people that are clot prone. Um, I know that when I had my PE, that the entire time I was in intensive care, they had me on Coumadin and heparin to dissolve this blood clot in my lung. Um, You're not supposed to have a blood clot in your lung the size of a golf ball. Um, I I guess it's a little dangerous. But anyway. Yes. Um, So these are the drugs that historically have been used to treat this. Mm -hmm. And now they have come out with these new medications to treat them. Um, And, of course, they're what is being pushed. And, and we all, we, we know this um, because we've all gotten into advocacy so much. We know that the FDA um, <laughs> approves what they're paid to approve and that doctors are going to prescribe what the drug companies pay them to prescribe. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be taking Coumadin, um, yes, you have to have your liver enzymes checked. Right. You have to have a blood test to confirm your liver enzymes are where they should be. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Okay, if you get cut or you get in a car accident and you're hemorrhaging and you're on Coumadin, of course, your blood is not going to clot. But the the normal counteractant for Coumadin is vitamin K. Okay, right. And that's in leafy green vegetables and in kale and it's it's very easily found in nature. Yeah, vitamin K is something readily available. um, And so, you know, 
you're not going to bleed out. Do you want to know what the counteractant for these two new medications are? Rattlesnake venom? Something really Fuck hard. Nothing. What? Nothing. What? what, what? This, no- the, these are the same motherfuckers that want vaping to have no risk. You can drip no liquid on yourself. So, so <laughs> systems have to be sealed. You can't have any flavors. You don't want them to appeal to anyone, and they should look ugly. These are the same motherfuckers that want to get rid of all risk for tobacco products, what they consider us. And yet, it's okay if you bleed to death taking this stuff. Have a nice day. Here, this medicine, you will not have to have your liver enzymes checked, but don't don't get a hemorrhage of any kind. (laughs) And for God's sake, don't stick yourself with a pin. You better not be a klutz and take that shit. I was like... Are you fucking kidding me? And she looked at me and she says, no, I'm not kidding you. I wish that I was kidding. You know, do you know how often we say stuff on here and I go, I'd like to say I was surprised. I, I but don't. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not ever surprised. Yeah, well, and, when, it come, when it comes to drug and chemical companies, you can't be surprised anymore. No, you, I mean, you, I mean um, Listerine. Listerine is fantastic. Everybody, you know, loads of people use mouthwashes now. And it all comes down to... They created this antibacterial, but they didn't have a use for it. (laughs) So they invented bad breath. Um, Basically. So they could sell it as Listerine. Well, actually, I've got to tell you, Listerine's actually really good for getting dead skin off your feet. Yeah. And it's also good if you've got, like... I've, I don't want to say I have a dog who has mange. He doesn't. He just has really bad skin. So in the final rinse of his bath, you put a little bit of Listerine, and it really helps his skin for a really long time. So, I mean, it has its uses, oh, but it didn't I, I necessarily need, to, clear up. need Rick, to be that. Rick does say bad breath is real. And yes, it is. But Listerine doesn't help it. It's real, but it's not a... It, it, it's real All it Listerine does is kill bacteria in your mouth and... Yeah, if you're not going to brush your teeth, it'll help with your teeth not falling out. But bad breath is usually coming uh, from a not. It's nothing to do with your mouth usually. <laughs> Jan, I have yes. to. I have to admit something. And as much shit, and as much bad mouthing as I do of this particular individual, because I think he's a fucking nutter. Um, <laughs> I, I have to admit to you, and hold on to your, your you are sitting down, correct, Jan? Yeah, I, do, I try not to broadcast standing up. It takes too long. Okay. Uh, Tom Baker actually said something last night that I agreed with. <laughs> so Satan's ice skating, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was only one little thing that he said that I agreed with. Because most of that other shit, I just still think he's a fucking nutter. But anyway... He probably thinks we're insane, too, but that's okay. Um, yeah, but he thinks all of us are insane, okay? Yeah. Whereas, I'll leave that unfinished. Yeah, so back back to the whole, and how this ties into this whole Listerine thing is, you know, the, the, the dosage makes the poison. Right, exactly, absolutely. And, And, you know, here we are trying to say this because, I mean, they sit there and they beat their drums and they say, you know, and this is bad and this is bad and this is bad and this is bad, which is part of why this whole fucking lawsuit thing is is pissing me off the way it is. Oh, Christ, I shouldn't even talk about that on air. Um, 
because we we know that the dose makes the poison. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and he said that last night, and then of course he went all off in this other complete direction, and I was like, whoa, whoa. but when he, <laughs> when he said that, I I'm like, holy. I actually agree with something this man but has said. No, you, you're not agreeing with that. You're, stop. With, stop. No, stop. You're not agreeing with something he said. He's parroting science. You're agreeing with yeah. science. So you okay. can stop flagellating yourself for that. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I feel better. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I mean, and for, and what just pisses me off is the FDA is is trumpeting all of this bullshit about... Well, it's got formaldehyde in it. You know what? Mm-hmm. Every person that exhales is exhaling formaldehyde. formaldehyde. Well, I'll Just, tell you what's funny. You know this. If, it's if they do... They're not fucking telling that. Right. But, I mean, if you look at those breath tests, the people who exhale the most formaldehyde are the people who are diabetic. Yeah. Yeah. So that that probably should tell them something. Some so of the most tell accurate to tests cure diabetes for... and not just treat it. Yeah, some of the most well, accurate diet, tests well, for money stuff like... Cure. Diabetes doesn't need a cure. Well, yes, it yeah. does. It needs to stop looking at the food pyramid or the goddamn plate that the government puts out and eating that shit. That's oh, what's bitched about that killing you. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is really funny that the, the, the things that... The comparisons that I throw out to people, um, since, if, since Michael... You know, um, feel the vape. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You mm-hmm. that was your thread. You read all that, right? I did. I, I try not to. When I post stuff, if, was if I you, making sense? You were. But okay. when I when I put stuff up on on my Facebook page, and I either ask a question or what, I, I don't like to comment. I like to see what other people say. That's why I post open ended stuff. Like well, I, I didn't do. know if I was, you know, I thought, you know, God, I hope I'm making sense here. I hope that people are connecting these dots that I'm trying to lay out. Well, um, I mean, the FDA I, deciding how much sugar you can have in yeah, all your food. Yeah, this not in the show notes? Oh, I, I can get that. You still get Because that was the, the No, don't go get it now because I'm freaking starving to death. But uh, <laughs> short story, folks, is, you know, the FDA is talking about making them put a percentage value um, on sugar in food. And I admit, I freely admit that 80% of the shit on store shelves has added sugar in it. I know this. You know why I know this? Because Jan made me look this shit up. Um, <laughs> so I know this to be a fact. Um, yep. But, and here's the thing. Everybody wants to throw out, okay, oh my God, Mountain Dew has 16 teaspoons of sugar in it. Yep, it does. Have you ever tasted that shit? There is it's no disgusting. way you have ever tasted Mountain Dew and not said this stuff is pure sugar. It is liquefied sugar. Nobody that has ever tasted that stuff can deny the fact that there is so much sh- sugar in this shit that your teeth cringe when when the can goes <laughs> psh. Okay? We know this. What is What people don't want to understand is a lot of these fancy-ass coffees have more sugar than that. Most of the energy drinks on the market have more sugar than that. Oh, and it's not just that. Go get yourself one of those bars that everybody claims is so healthy. Oh, I'm going to go get a, a bar for breakfast, CBO you know, the bars. nutritional yeah. bars. Yeah. <laughs> Sit and read the back of one of those sometimes. That, that'll make you sick. How much fat's in it, how much sugar in it, and how many carbs are in it. Because that's not helping you any. Eat a bowl of freaking oatmeal. 
And putting putting a percent sign next to it underneath the ADV value is fucking bullshit because the ADV changes on where they want to spend government funding. Well, I'll tell you, it, it and, was and my just, my husband. My husband and I were following the diabetic diet for a really long time, just because you know he he just the way he's built just doesn't like he doesn't move weight like weight will just not come off him he's not obese it just won't come off him so we went on the diabetic diet for a really long time we're living on sweet potatoes and find out they took sweet potatoes off there i'm like well that's ridiculous that's the only form of like starchy tuber you could eat and it's not bad for you but they just take shit on and off that list as they feel so inclined now and it's a shame because this stuff if medicine gave a fuck about you as more than the money you could pump into it would actually matter. This is why so many people go on the internet and research their own conditions and find ways to treat themselves because not only is there corruption in your government at all levels and all systems, there's also corruption and collusion in the medical industry. So who can you trust but you? The the one that gets me uh, that's still used a lot is yeah, diabetics have trouble with sugar. Right. That that's that's the science. But what these public health people and everything keep doing is going Sugar's causing diabetes. No it's and not. It isn't. It's fat that's causing diabetes. <laughs> you know you, eating a high fat diet destroys your body's ability to make in to control insulin properly. Which then means you have problems with sugar. Sugar causes completely different problems. (laughs) Well, I mean, the whole thing, your whole body is is connected. So your stress level, um, the amount of sleep you get, and the things you ingest, they show what kind of shape you're in. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of short and round. That's the shape I'm in. And it doesn't matter if I eat a salad every day and go vegetarian it doesn't matter if i eat a lot of meat i'm short and i'm curvy that's how i'm built that has never changed and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter when i weighed 96 pounds and you could see all the i was still shaped the same way that doesn't change yeah i am i i'm in shape jan round is a shape so i am in shape um just not the one that everybody seems to see fit but up until i started what was oh here's how fucked up the food industry is you go to the (laughs) deli and you think you're doing a good thing and i'm gonna get some nice lean turkey breast from the deli and that's what i'm gonna make my my sandwiches out of of course i'm gonna use bread that has been treated the flour's been treated with all kinds of bleach and everything else and everything good the good that was in that grain has actually been stripped out of it, but that's okay because I'm still <laughs> going to get the nice lean turkey breast. And my husband always watches that show, How It's Made. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you don't. Let me tell you that 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 turkey loaf. You don't want to know how it's made. I, well, I I learned last night how it's made. You don't want to know. Never buy it again. Um, and it's and it's not even so much how they make it. It's how they cook it that I'm wigging out about. 
because once I get into DIY, and we always have this question in the DIY world, um, low-density polyethylene, high-density polyethylene, PET, glass, mm-hmm. in, and all this, right? So I did a lot of reading on plastic. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I have found about any form of plastic is mm-hmm. you do not want to heat it. Mm-hmm. Heating plastic um, is is not a good thing, especially if it's got some kind of food substance in it. Now, you've just ruined my lunches for the next year. Go ahead. <laughs> well, y- you really don't want to heat. It's not a good idea, Jan. Um Low density or high density polyethylene, you're okay. But like PET, you don't ever want to heat PET at all. I don't That's have bad. anything made. I don't have any containers made with PET. To, to be fair, so, most PET, yeah. if you put it in the microwave, it collapses in a little globule at the bottom. So you kind of know I it's mean, not that's, suitable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's almost as bad as microwaving something in styrofoam. You definitely don't want to do that. Yeah, it's it's just bad. It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing to do. Um, so they take all these turkey breast and chicken breast and whatever and they run them through and they inject them with all of their marinated and of course we know that shit is just ass pack full of msg most of the time um <laughs> which the fda does not even require companies to tell you how much of it is in your food by the way folks take that one to the bank go look they have to list it on the ingredients they do not have to tell you how fucking much of that goddamn nasty ass chemical um they're pumping. yeah but can can i tell you something never buy accent in the spice aisle, don't buy oh, yeah. the meat tenderizer. Anyway, yeah, I don't. Um, I, I had to start reading labels a lot when my migraines got really bad. And, and MSG is a huge migraine trigger for me. Huge, huge, huge. Um, it's bad, nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, So they, they, they pulverize these turkey breast things. They don't grind it, folks, but they punch it full of holes and marinate and they tenderize it and they whatever. And then they stick like 12 different turkey breasts or chicken breasts into this mold. And so that you understand what this mold is, guys, this mold is a hunk of plastic to to the shape, okay? And they pack it all in there, and they seal it with another piece of plastic, and then it goes in the smoker. So your nice smoked turkey breast that you're buying at the deli has been smoked through the plastic. So if anybody ever wondered... If plastic allowed air to go back and forth through it, there's your answer. Well, never eating it again. I like turkey. I I do, but, you know, I can can buy a whole turkey. I hate the food industry at this point. I've kind of hated it for quite a long time. I think a lot of us do. I grew up on a... So if anybody was wondering why we now have meat rabbits, there's your answer. I grew up on a farm. You know, I, I despise big agro business and what it did to people like my parents. You know, good, honest, hardworking people that were just happy to feed people. And I mean, my parents weren't, they weren't like the kind of farmers that used chemicals. They did companion planting. They did stuff like, um, well, with the companion planting, if you pair like, basil with your tomato crop you won't get the round the the hookworms the tomato hookworms right and your basil gets so big and thick that it grows bark Mm -hmm. um you grow basically a basil tree when you grow the two of them together they didn't use 
anything that didn't come from nature. They didn't use chemicals. They didn't spray anything on anything that hurt anything. And this was just the way they had farmed since before the Depression. And big agribusiness took people like my family and they made them essentially homeless. So if you think you despise the food industry, you have nothing on me. Do you want to know one of the many benefits that I have found to growing um, via hydroponics or aquaponics? What? It's pest control. Yeah. Um, aphids. How common are aphids, Jan? They're, they're pretty common. I mean, there, it, are, there are simple how, ways to get away from it, them. But... And how quickly can that get out of hand? Oh, very quickly if you're not diligent. Yeah, so I brought my um, poblano pepper plants and my banana pepper in the house Mm -hmm. before it froze. Um, We don't have any heat going to the greenhouse yet. So they came in the house, and I set them up on a little aquaponic setup. I I put them in the tote over top of the the koi pond that we have in the house, and the pump pumps the water out of the koi pond and up into that, and then it flows through that and back into the fish tank. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy little hydroponic thing. Well, I noticed the other day, and I'm like, son of a bitch, there was aphids on these things, and the bastards are everywhere. <laughs> it's very easy with hydroponic. You just pick it up out of, pick the whole thing up out of the system, and you take your plant, and you take it over to your kitchen sink, and you turn your sprayer on, and you go, with the water, and all the aphids go right down the drain, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you balanced it really well and had a really good setup, you have archer fish amongst the koi, and they'd eat the aphids. Well, yeah, but you still got to get them off the plants and into the water. That's so, why I mean, archer with fish. With hydroponics, I mean, you could <laughs> put your hand over your clay pebbles and, and take the whole pepper plant and swish it around in the water and, and do it like that. L- look but up no. look up archer fish. I think I think you'll like it. If they, 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 they is it, target are they real? insects. Are they real? Yeah. Okay. Well, they shoot insects like out of the air. Another one of them fucking adult cartoons I've never watched. No, 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 no. No, it's I didn't. It's it's it's. I didn't uh, make any reactions, so that should tell you something. Yeah, the the archer <laughs> fish basically behaves like a water pistol. It's hungry. It sees an in- insect. It squirts water at the insect to make it fall out of the air, so it can eat it. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if these were growing in dirt, what would we have had to have done? Well, you would have had to have, you know, hopefully, you know, gone on the Internet and found some lacewigs somewhere that you could order live and Mm -hmm. release. And hopefully they stay around and eat your aphids, which is probably not going to happen. Or you're going to have to dump chemicals all over the plants. Well, no, not really. I mean, there's like dish soap. I think it's dish soap, vinegar, and um, distilled water. If you spray it on them enough, it makes them leave. They don't like the acidity of it. Yeah. And, and the dish soap makes it stick. Because neem will kill your plants. And you, do, you don't you do want to eat vegetables off of anything that's been sprayed with neem oil. Um, i got to tell you, neem's pretty awesome. I mean, neem kills fucking nasty everything. on vegetable plants. Well, right. I'm saying, you know, you, you don't want to eat it in encapsulated form, though. It kills HIV. I mean, how great is that? Oh, oh, and speaking of HIV, so Charlie Sheen, uh-huh. supposedly he's going to announce tomorrow that he has HIV. And I guess my question is, all that time he was running around yelling winning. So what did he win? The STD sweepstakes? 
Yeah, Kar- Karma was looking, going, yeah, enjoy it now, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, I don't know even why I thought of that. I just... You remember that from a few years ago, don't you? Yes, yeah. the dragon blood. Running around like a Tiger nut. Blood. That's what it was, tiger blood. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of funny and ironic and a sick, twisted, you know... Oh, you're getting uh, yours... Yeah. You know, Slightly vaping related. How, how is his e-cigarette company doing? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, that was totally off. Completely off topic. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> that happens occasionally. I derailed this show for fucking half an hour. That's all right, but you're still hungry. I could have, I could have read that whole story, and we could have analyzed I- it. I know. Yes, started me bitching about the food industry because they're a bunch of corrupt bastards that are feeding us poison every day. That's okay. Well, but, yeah, but again, this is, we know it. How many people are going to stand up and say something about it? Me. Besides you. Besides me. Besides Very. <laughs> Who's going to stand up and talk about this on a regular basis? And, I mean, do you really want the person that makes the decisions about that to be someone who worked for Monsanto. And by the way, that's who the government's got making your food decisions at the FDA. Yeah. And unfortunately we can't really listen to Jamie Oliver either. Cause he's an asshole. Well, he's a total <laughs> asshole. My favorite thing, my favorite thing is when he talks about how horrible sugar is and we're all fat and we're all lazy slobs. We're all going to die. And then Chris Snowden mm-hmm. will go and drag out one of his recipes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and go, hey, look, here's your cheesecake recipe. Two pounds of sugar. Really? Yeah. So They talk out of both sides of their face. That's all your he's, he, political leaders yeah, and your um, politicians. Jamie Oliver like is Jamie a food Oliver. campaigner because he's paid to be a food campaigner. Yep. He, he used to sponsor one of the supermarkets over here as well. Huh. At the same time as being a food campaigner. You're like, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> hey, do you have Aldi's over there? Yes. We're getting one. Oh, you're, gonna, you're in for a surprise. Okay. One, you won't recognize any of the brands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll go, how is this so cheap? Because <laughs> so, that's what they're known for. So cheap. Well, then they pick the perfect place for it. Because, you know, I might live in the same zip code as the asshole bushes. That doesn't mean I live in the rich part of the zip code. They live I, in the rich part of the zip code. I live over here in the... I don't know how it'll work in nice North area. America, though. Because they're successful in Europe. Because, like, so we've got an Aldi here in my town. Yeah, but and you go in, and most of the stuff's from Germany, Spain, Italy. And yeah. you've never heard of it, and you can't pronounce the names of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's generally good quality stuff, but really cheap. Because what they're basically doing is buying surpluses from different places, repackaging mm-hmm. it, and then selling it cheap in their shops. Don't know what they're going to do in North America. It's kind of worrying in some ways. Um, we We have one up here. Um, the one that always floored me was um, when I lived in Dallas, they had this place called Food Lion. We had a Food Lion here. It, it yeah, did you close down? 
Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Because it was like every three months or something, it seemed like it was that. It might not have been that often, but it sure as fuck seemed like it. Um, they were doing a <laughs> recall because their their Cheerios brand had salmonella poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stuff that you wouldn't think could contaminate one yeah, kind of like, like, Stuff that like only contaminates fish would be contaminating like their yeah, tortilla how do you have fish reptile disease get in my Cheerios. Yeah, it was yeah, always weird. Weird. Yeah. like that was happening to them all the time and yeah. they were going under. Yeah. I don't I don't think Aldi's will have the same problem. They're pretty well known. Oh yeah. They're huge Food. in Europe, yeah. Yeah. Food Lion was just, you know, regionally for poor people actually. It oh, was never Al- a big success in Al- richer Aldi markets. Aldi keeps winning supermarket of the year in the UK, so they're not that oh. bad. But it is kind of like a food warehouse. You know, the, it's not nice, neat displays of stuff. It's just they open the boxes and stick it on a shelf, and then you come along and buy it. They don't arrange yeah. it nicely. Let me tell you, I arrange stuff nicely all day. Yeah. They're not paying me enough for that. Um, well, that's. that's Part of why Aldi's cheaper. Yeah, they're not spending loads of time nicely dressing all the aisles. And, yeah. yeah. Cut the top off this box, stick it on the shelf. There you go. And by the way, if you want something to put your groceries in when you're leaving, take the box with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they charge for carrier bags and everything, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although everywhere charges for carrier bags now in the UK, so, yeah. You know... You know what? I, I got your address. I just need to send you some of my reusable shopping bags. You'll love them. I, I, I've been using a reusable bag for years. I know. I'm just saying. I have I have way too many of them. I've got, I, I, I go shopping. Got, I just go out with my sports bag. Because the shop's I've got ones the with like, little pilgrims on them. Little Mr. and Mrs. Claus. I've got them for all the holidays. <laughs> and, that's, and, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm paranoid of... Most people are fucking disgusting pigs. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to mention that. And they don't wash their bags out. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, they make the stock crew come up and bag. And someone will throw their bags at you. And I found, like, I found bugs crawling out of somebody's bags before. And I was like, oh, I had to bag their groceries and that. Yeah. People are pigs. They don't take care of their stuff. I take care of my stuff. And I like to have a nice variety. So I wash my reusable shopping bags. So. Yeah. Well, some of the best reusable shopping bags you can get, funnily enough, are made out of hemp. Yeah. Insects Hemp's... don't hang around those. Um, Hemp's actually a really nice, actually a really good crop. Yeah. It does a lot of good things. And it, it's a shame we don't use it more, although, you know, I think our founding fathers smoked a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Until they discovered it, marijuana, anyway, yeah. Well, yeah, they're they're actually technically they're the same plant. Well, yes, it, it's but... just that it doesn't have the female flowers. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> probably not the discussion you thought you'd get on a vaping show, or at least this vaping show, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that's it. Unless you want to play the uh, Muppets theme song to take us out. Hey, I don't the Muppets uh... theme song. I don't think I've actually got it available. Hang on. Mm. I might have. I've got too much stuff on my computer. <laughs> yeah, you do. When you have to get terabytes of space, you might ah, have a little too much it. stuff. 
Just a short one. <laughs> that was the right part. Yeah. Good night, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.